Hey everyone, it's Jackie from Canada from a series of Horrors podcast. Are you looking for a way to support our show or have a product or brand you're looking to promote? Contact us at seriesofhorrors at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at seriesofhorrorspodcast and you can hear your ad here. Welcome back to a series of horrors. I'm Jackie from Canada. And I am Jeff. Jeff uh, from America. Sorry, I was that was that Jesk? <laughs> no, still is Jeff. <laughs> Jeff? No, no, still not Jeff. No, oh. Jeff uh, from America. Hi, howdy. And today uh, we are continuing our Fright Night franchise watch through yeah we did fright night 2011 the remake of the original fright night i fucking loved it yeah this movie was amazing this movie was incredible it's an incredible cast it's a good movie let's just say there was no original fright night 85 and this came out it would still be amazing i'm so mad at myself because i remember when this movie was coming out and i was like it's a remake and i'm so fucking sick of them doing remakes of everything right now because that's all the people do um and i was just like i'm not gonna watch this because fuck it it's gonna be a shitty remake and now i'm like why did you not watch this before you would watch this all the time because it's an amazing movie and this is what I want to call the perfect remake. Like if you listen to our a podcast, two podcasts ago, all the issues we had with Fright Night get fixed in Fright Night 2011. Everything is better. Even though he's still eating an apple, everything <laughs> is still better in this movie. He didn't. Colin Farrell is the one that insisted that he eat the apple because he liked that. <laughs> and they even kill Jerry Dandridge in this movie. So it's even more amazing. Yeah. The original Jerry Dandridge. Yeah. Okay. Humperdinck. They kill Humperdinck. Yeah. Humperdinck yes. dies in this movie also. Yeah. I didn't know if you knew that or not. But yeah. It's just because I've seen him in so many other things. And he's Susan Sarandon's brother, I think. Is he? He's Chris Sarandon, so I'm going to guess. <laughs> Soren is not that much of a common name. He probably, they're probably related. The other day, I, for some reason, I had such a mental block. I was watching something with Peter Skarsgård, and for some reason, I thought he was a Sarsgård. <laughs> I'm like, wait, he's Eric from True Blood's brother? They don't look anything alike. The other ones at least look alike. I need to look this up. And I'm like, yeah, you're completely wrong. That's why, Jackie, they are not related. <laughs> you're totally lost. No idea what's going on Yeah. I don't know. What I was watching was um, Princess Bride. So, of course, he was in that. Yeah. So, it was just like. Wait, that's what you were watching and you didn't know what he was in? I was watching, not Prince. I was watching somebody doing a first time reaction to the Princess Bride. It was, okay. I'm really hooked on those things on YouTube. Where it's like, oh, first time ever watching this movie. When it's like some movie that I'm like, how have you lived a life without watching Princess Bride in 2021? I feel that you ask me these types of questions all the time. <laughs> how have you not seen the Karate Kid, Jackie? Yeah, it does sound like me. But I might have like, like this Die Hard ones. I'm like, you haven't seen Die Hard? You've made bad choices your entire life. You haven't seen Die Hard. I mean, to be fair, I've only seen the first Die Hard and the second one. I have not seen any of the other ones. Oh, that's it. You done. You done fouled up. That's usually how it works because it's usually like the first and the third that are good ones. So I had a feeling, but never got there. I like the fourth one. I'm not going to say it's good, but I'm going to say I like the fourth one a lot. Is that the one with, um, I can't remember the actor's name. It's Justin Long's in that one. Justin Long. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. It is a fun, dumb action movie and I like it. It is not the heights (laughs) of perfection of the first one. And the third one's good up until, like, but the end is pointless. Like, they were just like, all right, we wasted all our good early. So now we just have to finish this movie. So, yeah. 
Let's finish it. Finish the movie. We have to go. Oh, I think it ends in Canada, so you should be happy. They go to a, to a motel in Canada with a helicopter, and I think it finishes there. So the end is the worst part, and they're in Canada. Makes sense. Got it. <laughs> so as, as I was saying earlier, when we were talking about shipping things to Canada and how people are confused when you ship from America to Canada, they're like, where the heck are you sending this thing? But if you ship something to America from Canada, they're like, yes, yes, that's that's the promised land. We, we're just a maple syrup post. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, mean, I love it because when I go to the place, they ship anything to Jackie and this is like the guy, like, hmm, give me the zip code, please. And I'm like, seven, R, L, squiggly mark, ampersand. And they're like, what the hell are these? What? Like, I know. It is letter, number, letter, <laughs> number, letter, number. That is how our postal codes work. Okay. <laughs> like ampersand, tilde, exclamation mark. I'm like, all right, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> when I was a child, my mom used to have to like give me reasons to like remember the certain letters and be like, okay, this one's from your last name and that's your age. <laughs> and like, remember it this way. But also I've had so many postal codes in my life because I have moved way too many fucking times that they all just kind of get mixed up in my head sometimes because <laughs> they're all similar enough. And I'm like, wait, am I a K7L right now or am I a K7K? Wait, where am I? <laughs> Where am I living? Hold on. Am I in China now? What's what's happening? Yeah, so I just have the look on the face of the person I'm shipping that's taking my package to be shipped. And they're like, what? Why are you telling me letters and symbols? I'm like, oh, triangle, uh, Deathly Hallow symbol, um, Bagul, Jason yes, please, please draw Bagul fully. That that needs to be on the package to get to me. Um. A, a ring mirror. Like something. There's just stuff. There's stuff there all the time. Oh, well. A TV with static on it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always, I'm like, why is this a zip code? I don't, I'm confused. All right, fine. <laughs> I found a mug on Etsy that I truly think I need. Um, it's a little cartoon of Samara crawling out of the TV, and it says, be kind and rewind. <laughs> I really want it. I don't blame you. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So now, now, now that you know our shipping issues, we send stuff to each other and everything else. But here we're back with 2011 Fright Night. Oh, yeah. Colin Farrell is the bad guy. Yeah, That's just, why we're just here. In case. I forgot. That is why we're here, yes. <laughs> we could keep on talking about the mail, you know, and yeah. stuff. I mean, mail's really interesting. I'm sure that you guys have been waiting that extra week just to hear about the mail. <laughs> it's like, really? Wow. There's letters in the zip code? Like, yes, Americans, letters. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Should we dive into this awesome movie? All right. So the movie starts. It opens with an overhead view of the town uh, and we see it through the clouds and there's a lightning storm starting. We come down onto a suburban street and we see a for sale sign with Jane Brewster's name on it for Century 21. So a little foreshadowing there. So we pan into the house. We get to see the TV and it's showing a commercial for Peter Vincent in Fright Night on stage in Vegas. Can you explain who Peter Vincent is in this version of the movie, Jeff? He is Chris Angel, is who he is. Yeah. Picture Chris Angel in a TARDIS, and then you have Peter Vincent <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, so he's played by David Tennant, yeah. but he's this leather pants wearing black hair and the eye makeup oh god the open collar shirt open all the way like down to his navel like the whole bit like the mm -hmm. whole the rings the chains all of it yes and he does illusions not tricks not tricks. tricks are what sex workers do for money michael <laughs> yes, see that one i knew i knew that reference <laughs> all right the TV then cuts to a news broadcast and the anchor says that a woman leaving a grocery store had a man try to bite her and the man was scared off by security. 
We then get what I will call dog point view down a hallway. And then we see a dude who's thrown out of an open bedroom door. And we see that there's a girl. She's on the floor and she's flailing as something feeds on her out of frame. Dude then runs down the hallway and up the stairs. He finds his mother dead on the bed and his dad is dead on the floor. And they're all like bloody and gross. He goes to hide under the bed and he grabs a gun that was stowed underneath the mattress, which seems like a safe place. Um, (laughs) And then he was struggling with it. And at first, I just couldn't understand what he was struggling with. But then I saw that there was like a lock on the trigger. Then I wrote a note of, I clearly don't understand gun protection. (laughs) Like, I have no idea this existed. Yeah, the dad is practicing good gun care maintenance. Not not gun care, um, good gun protection maintenance. I can't remember what the the term is now. um, Gun safety? Gun safety. There it is. Gun safety. Because you are supposed to keep the gun in one place, the ammo somewhere else, and then the thing on the trigger guard so you can't just randomly have accidents in the house. So he's so he, good gun safety by the man that owns this particular gun. Granted, it doesn't help his current situation, but still, um, it's what you're supposed to do as a responsible gun owner. Take it from me. I live in the South. Yeah, the whole lock on the trigger kind of, to me, cancels out the this is for my protection thing. (laughs) Like, how if you are suddenly being attacked by someone, are you going to be like, hold on, let me get my keys? But it also avoids the accidents of my kid found the gun and then, you know, blew his friend's brains out or something. That is also fair. But okay, so he then pulls the keys from his dad's pocket and he unlocks the lock on the trigger. And then we see as he's struggling with it that the dad's body is slowly being dragged away and he's not noticing because he's too busy with the gun. And then the lock flies off of the gun and falls into the pool of blood left behind by his dad. We then see a pale hand reach down with long pointed nails and it picks up the lock. Then we hear a growl and a human-like creature flips the bed over and drags him out. Then we cut over to an overhead shot of the fields and trees surrounding the town and we get font time. It was a pretty cool font. So like it looks like bloody handwriting which was really interesting. And it, the way that it appears on the screen, it just looks like somebody like took a uh, what were they called? Transition slides? No, um you know, like from the projector back in the day and you had like the clear piece of acetate and you would write on it. Ah, uh, yes. I don't remember what they were called, but yeah, overhead projectors, what would be called. Yeah. So uh, it, it looked like somebody was writing on acetate, but like with blood over the scene of the trees and whatever, which was pretty cool. But I'm still partial to the Fright Night 80s font where it's like the two fangs. With the F and the T, yeah, just to make fangs. It's, I like they did something different. The other one's classic. Yeah, I appreciate they tried something different, but it would have been cooler if it was like bloody handwriting, but somehow still had the, the fangs in it. I don't know. Could have figured it out, but you know, they're still yeah. they might have started to carve their own path and do their own thing. We then get some shots of typical suburbia and then enter our Charlie Brewster for this movie, who's played by Anton Yelchin. Rest in peace. And he's struggling with his dirt bike. I think it's a dirt bike. I think dirt so. Bike? I think it's a dirt bike, yeah. Is this like kind of uh, like alluding to the fact that original Charlie had a problem with his Mustang and his Mustang trouble with his dirt bike? Huh, that's fair. And this is more reasonable for a teenager to have. He uh, can't get it to start and he threatens to take it apart. And then there's a hot girl taking out her trash, his neighbor, and he offers to help her take out her trash when she's already at the bottom of her driveway with the trash. It's already been taken out. <laughs> there's nothing left to do. Like, you know. But, you know, she's hot. And so he had to say something. He's like 16 or something. It's or supposed to be like 16, 17, yeah. whatever. So that's what you do at that age. You just... <laughs> 
<laughs> for a reason. Any reason you can think of. She tells him that she's got it and that he's getting big. He stares at her ass as she walks away because it, I for, I didn't write down what it said, but it, she has like something on her ass, like sweetie or something like Sweet, that. juicy, tasty, something like that. One of those things. And so this is my first like fashion note. There's a lot of fashions on the, within this movie that would have made sense if it was the early 2000s, like 2001 or four. Like another one I will mention is 2004 later, but this one's more like 2001. This writing on the butt, that would have been popular then. For some reason, I think it's kind of coming back again. Ugh, God, <laughs> didn't make sense for 2011. It was not a thing. Yeah, I remember being real big when I was in college. In 2001, I was in college. So yeah, makes sense. I was thinking of it was really big in grade five. And um, so I had my first boyfriend in grade five and his name was Anil. And my pants, they said angel of the butt, but when it would like fold, it kind of looked like it said Anil on it. And people were like, ew, did you get pants with your boyfriend's name on it? Like, that's so gross. Like, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, they say angel. They're like, yeah, sure they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, shout out to Anil. Love him. He's great. He was on Big Brother Canada, actually, which was interesting. Did he do well on Big Brother Canada? I don't think so. I think he got eliminated. I don't watch Big Brother, but when I was in college, this girl like ran in one day and she's like, guys, on Big Brother Canada, there's a guy from Richmond Hill. Who the fuck's from Richmond Hill? Someone has to be from Richmond Hill. I'm like, I'm from Richmond Hill. And then she like turns to me and she's like, okay, his name's Anil. I'm like, no fucking way. Anil Ramkasoon? She's like, I don't know his last name. And I just pull up my face like I'm like, him? <laughs> she's like, yes. Yeah. So I'm like, ah, my fifth grade boyfriend who turned out to be gay. Yes. <laughs> I feel like I should have questions, but I don't. <laughs> also, like, he was my first friend in kindergarten when we were four years old. Like, he was the first kid that I met. He was wearing a Mickey Mouse sweater and I complimented him on it. And then we decided to become friends. He was Trinidadian as well. So his parents tried to arrange a marriage between us. Wasted no time. <laughs> yeah. My parents were like, no, we think we're going to let her choose who, didn't, who she gets to marry. Sorry. <laughs> and then, like, years later, they're like, ah, he's gay. They knew it. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to arrange a marriage against that. Anyways, um, back to this movie. <laughs> so then Anil, right, he should, oh wait, no. Uh, yeah, so her butt says Anil for some reason. I just didn't understand it. No, um, no one knows, but it does. Yeah. And then Tony Collette appears, and I wrote Tony Collette, best mom actress in horror, next to Allison Janey, who's the best comedy mom. Yay. Mom. I love Tony Collette. Oh, yeah. She's in a show called Mom now, isn't she? Well, she <laughs> it just got canceled. But yeah, she was up until recently. <laughs> but anyways. OK, so she's telling her son not to leer at the neighbors. And he says she's the one that put a word on her butt. I'm just reading it. <laughs> she's the one that put a nail on her butt. Like nothing else. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, who the heck is a nail? I want to know. <laughs> I'm, I'm very curious about who this is. So I'm reading it off her butt. <laughs> to be fair. This was super out of fashion by 2011, so he was probably very weirded out by the fact that she had words on her butt. But, you know, whatever. She was just taking out the trash. Maybe she had those laying around as laundry day, right? So. Yeah, I mean, fair. I do have pajamas from my high school days still. The mom, we find out, is a real estate agent. As I mentioned before, there was some foreshadowing with her real estate like sign for sale sign in that first scene. Yeah, if you notice, well, you would notice that all the signs, since you stick them in the ground, they look like pretty much vampire stakes to stake them to also the ground, I suppose. Yes, I was joking with Jeff earlier that it just reminded me, like, because she has... Is it him or her? Like one of them ends up with like a handful of these signs and it reminded me of Guillermo. It's him. Reminded me of Guillermo with like all the stakes and Laszlo being like, ah, what are you doing? Where did you get those from? I got them from Amazon. Take them back to the Amazon. We don't don't need these here. You know what these are. Uh. 
<laughs> That's exactly what it reminded me of. So they're like loading these signs up into her car, her little mini van type situation, or is it an SUV? I don't know. It's SUV. She's upset because the neighbor has had a dumpster in their driveway for a while and Charlie tells her to get over it. She asked if he's stressed over Amy and he says, no, Amy's good. She hasn't dumped him yet. So that's good. That's a plus. (laughs) The mom and Charlie are like bantering and like they have a very cute mother son relationship and he's telling her that his bike isn't working. I don't know why she has this comment as he's trying to get his bike to work, but she does have a comment here where she's saying that she's trying to get people to move in not join the legions leaving town charlie says he likes the word legions <laughs> and then we find out that the new neighbor next door he's been doing these renovations he has all this concrete in the dumpster but he's not digging a pool so she wants to know like tony wants to know where all this concrete is coming from and charlie suggests that she stopped spying on him <laughs> See, in this version she is spying on him and not charlie because charlie couldn't care less about whatever the neighbor's doing next door yeah exactly he's like mom like chill then charlie's ride pulls up there are three girls and amy is the one driving she greets uh, the mom and the mom tells charlie to that ed called again if he doesn't want to talk to him he should just tell him charlie said that would defeat the purpose which fair charlie <laughs> Fair point. Very high school thing to say, but yes, very fair. Amy then teases Charlie about his bike and she drives off like and makes him chase her. Then at school, Amy's teasing Charlie about his worried face. Then I wrote my favorite Franco shows up. That's a Franco. It's a Franco. Dave Franco. I fucking love Dave Franco. He's great. He's in things. He does things. Um, Have you seen 21 Jump Street? I ignore that movie, but yes, I saw the first one and I refuse to watch the second one. Refuse. The second one's pretty decent. It's not amazing, but I, I assume you refuse to watch it because of the Jask scene. Exactly. Yes, because of the Jeff scene. <laughs> and that's I refuse to watch it because that's all I know about that movie. And I'm like, nope, not watching it. <laughs> It's like one moment right at the beginning. <laughs> you would, as much as I've heard it, you would think it's like half the movie. <laughs> Just that, that scene is crossed by my life. It's literally like one line where he says, my name's Jisk. And then he tries to do a Mexican accent, but it's not a Mexican accent. And he's just like, my friend, Dora and Diego. <laughs> and that's, that's it. That's the whole bit. And then from there, it goes into like a chase scene. And then it has nothing else to do with the movie. Yeah, no, it's funny because I've heard the way I've heard it. It's pretty much the whole time. It's just like, hey, it's about, that's my name. And yeah, so I'm like, you know what? I'm no. not, I don't support this. It's not true at all. His name isn't Jask. All of it. (laughs) That's just when he's ad libbing and not sure what to say right at the beginning. So the first one's great. Um, and the drug dealer is Dave Franco. Oh, okay. The like kid drug dealer, the popular guy. Yeah, not like the the coach or something, the teacher or the principal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dave Franco's awesome. I really like him. He's married to the girl from Community, um, Allison Brie. Oh, yes. I know her from stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what stuff anyways, is coming to mind now? But I know him from stuff. Glow? <laughs> I haven't seen Glow, but I hear it's good. All right. Where am I? Oh, yes. My favorite Franco. He shows up. My favorite Franco. Well, he's a jerk in this movie, but whatever. I don't know why, but saying my favorite Franco makes me want to sing like, my little pony, my little pony, my favorite Franco. Okay, anyways. I guess it works, but I still don't get where the connection comes in. But still. I don't know where it comes in, but for some reason, while I kept on saying my favorite Franco, that's all that was going on in my mind. All right. I'll allow it. Why, thank you. Um, Okay, so he steals Charlie's coffee, and then there's some other dude 
there and he compliments Charlie's sneakers that are these like really overdone basketball shoes. They're chartreuse. That are red. They're chartreuse. Is that what they call it? Is that the, is that the, oh, is that what they're calling no, they're it? Puce. Yeah. Puce. But, That's what it is. Puce. They're calling it puce, but I'm like, isn't puce like a different color than that? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I feel like puce is more like pink and they were very red. They were, they look very maroon is what they look like to me. They look like, yeah, they look pretty red. I just looked up puce to like confirm and it's like a dusty rose color. They look more cherry red, red. Yeah, I was very confused. I thought for some reason that puce was like, I was thinking puce was chartreuse, which is a greeny color. But anyways... On with the movie. So Amy says that she has track after school and Charlie asks her to prom. She says that no one goes to senior, like to prom when you're a senior. Well, you're such a loser. <laughs> you thought that people went. Oh, it's so cute. Oh, look at that. It's adorable. You think people go to the things that they go to. And then my favorite Franco comes up. He's asking Charlie how the fuck he landed Amy because she's so much hotter than him. Whatever. It's bullshit. High school hierarchies. <laughs> Anyways. In class, they're doing the attendance and we hear that multiple people are missing. And then we see McLovin is in his class and he is glaring at Charlie. We then cut to Franco unconsensually showing off intimate photos of some girl, which is disgusting. Um, if somebody sends you an intimate photo, that is for your eyes only, and you have to confirm with them before sharing that with anyone else. Just in case you didn't know, consent. It's a good thing. But he's your favorite Franco, is it? He's still my favorite Franco. I mean, but I have a lot of problem with the male characters in this movie. A lot of them make some very questionable and horrible and unconsenty comments actions i don't know it's I, i'll hi highlight them throughout it's just it's not great could it be like hayes back in 2011 when we knew less yes i guess sort of but even colin farrell himself said he gave a note that he felt like he was too much of a sexual predator in this film and he was very uncomfortable with some of the lines and he wanted to make them change and they were like no we're keeping it so even colin farrell was aware of like mm, this isn't great it makes sense for Colin Farrell's character to be that way because... Yeah, because he's a monster. Sure. The people that are not supposed to be monsters are also like making horrible comments throughout. And it's just like... Oh, but yeah. I don't know. It kind of it fits him being a predator in every way. Like he's just like, use whatever he can to do what he does and feed. Yeah, but anyways... So I'm saying that we did know better in 2011. Colin Farrell called them out on it, but they were just like, no, we like sexism. Let's keep it in. So Ed approaches Charlie and Franco exchanges insults with him. I can't, I didn't write down the insults. It was something about getting laid. <laughs> yeah. He's like, don't you have like someone to go bang or something like that? And he's like, and Franco's like, yeah, I do actually. Thanks. <laughs> As I said, McLovin is Ed. I kind of waver between calling him Ed and McLovin in my notes. So just so you know, I'm talking about the same person when saying either one of these names. I like how they do Ed in this movie so much better than the last movie. Absolutely. He makes a lot more sense. He doesn't seem like a serial killer out of the blue. <laughs> or just he's, he was just looking for a reason to become a serial killer in the first movie. This one is just like he's a wronged friend. They're actually friends in this one, not like in the first one. Better all the way around. They gave everyone a fighting chance in this movie, it felt like and gave people backgrounds yeah amy's a better character 
Charlie's a way better character. So I will admit the first movie that I ever saw Anton in was Alpha Dog, which I absolutely love that movie and nothing against the kid Nick. I forget his last name who died, but the way that Anton plays him is so whiny and I hated him. I thought that was who he was. I was just like, "Mm, no, don't like this kid. He's so, there's the whiniest voice and I don't like it at all. And then I was watching this movie and I was like, he is completely redeemed in my eyes. I don't know like why I ever disliked him. It was just that character, I guess. It's the opposite. I, the first thing I saw him in was this other movie. It's like a Stephen King adaptation called Hearts in Atlantis, which is like one of his drama adaptations. Not like, it's like Shawshank or Green Mouth, so it's not like a horror one. And he's in that. And he's mm-hmm. so amazing in this movie. He already had like a leg up. I was like, all right, this guy, I like this kid. He's pretty good. Well, he was... The only other thing that I had actively seen him in was Star Trek, and he was good in that too. But he had the like a Russian accent in that, was it? Yeah, he was playing Chekhov in that. Again, with like a completely different voice. And I was like, okay, he's fine. But he was also wasn't a main character in that. So didn't really get too much of a feel for him there. But in this, I was like, he's great. Back to this movie. So Charlie goes off. McLovin tells him that Adam is missing and that he can't reach him. There are more kids that have disappeared too. Did you not notice like in the roll call, there's a lot of people missing. McLovin thinks they should go around to Adam's house to check out if everything is okay. Charlie says that he's busy and McLovin is trying to stress that Adam is missing. Like, do you not give a fuck that your friend is missing? Charlie is trying to get out of the whole entire conversation and then McLovin asks if he's not supposed to even speak to him anymore or are they just like at the point where they are completely not friends? He then threatens to tell Franco and the other dude, which I don't think he, does he ever get a name? I don't know. Which one? The friend, like the third friend? Yeah, stoner dude. Yeah. <sighs> I think uh, I think he does, but I don't remember it. I think Amy says it in passing once, but never figured out his name. So he's just called other dude in my notes. My favorite Franco and someone else. Gonna tell my favorite Franco and the other dude about their nerdy past. He then <laughs> mentions this whole thing about how Charlie stole his stretch Armstrong to tie it around his balls so he could jerk off forever. <laughs> I don't know how that came to him as a good idea, but I don't think it would work the way he had planned. But hey, maybe maybe he found a way. Yeah, I was just like, this is, I don't even know. But anyways, Charlie finally agrees and like to go. He's like, just stop talking, okay? Like, I'll go. And like calls after him. I want my stretch arm strong back. <laughs> And scene. <laughs> Amy and Charlie then pull up to his house and they're being like a pretty cute couple. He sees his mom is flirting, quote unquote, with the neighbor. Then McLovin is calling Charlie from outside of Adam's house and he's threatening to show Charlie's friends embarrassing videos of them and Adam. We then cut back to Charlie and Amy. They're walking up to his mom and we hear his mom asking the neighbor Jerry about the concrete. And like, where did all the concrete come? I can see that you're not digging a pool. <laughs> And he's like, I have foundation problems in the basement. Mom then introduces Charlie and Amy to Jerry. Jerry seems to be checking him and Amy out. Like he does like the full like sweep with his eyes on both of them. And then asks Charlie if he plays ball based on his sneakers, which Charlie does not. No, but he says something about like, yeah, I do every now and again, somewhere, someday. Yeah. And it's all like, when, where, what do you do? What's up? Stop lying to this man. And so then Jerry says that he's been meaning to invite them over, but his place is a mess. I wrote just a like note for myself here that damn, Colin Farrell is attractive. (laughs) (laughs) 
case you weren't aware before, now. Yeah, in case anyone was unaware, you've never set eyes upon this Irishman, he's attractive. <laughs> so he's just like kind of leading for them to invite him over instead, but mom d- doesn't take the bait at all, doesn't say anything to him. Amy then asks, like, as they're walking away, why the mom didn't take him up on the offer for a drink, because he's like, maybe we'll get a drink sometime, like, whatever. And she's like, mm, yeah, whatever. <laughs> And she walks away. She says that a man that attractive who is single is a player and she's not interested. Yes. Go, go, Tony Collette. So my my question has been answered before I asked. So like, so is that the way it goes? And yes, apparently. So, all right. I mean, generally, yes, unless they have some sort of backstory of like, I was married or like I was in this relationship for a very long time. It ended up being a toxic relationship. I've done all this growth. Like, yes, there are exceptions to every single rule. Of course. But generally, and especially when they're dropping things like we should have a drink, like no, 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 no. Right off the bat, you're like, "Mm, player, got you. But the neighbor, she does go for the drink offer. Oh, yes. The uh, go-go dancer? Yes, yes she goes for it. Dancer, yes, the go-go dancer with, <laughs> with a kneel on her butt. She does go for it. <laughs> we then see that McLovin texts Charlie a video and says that he'll post it if he does not get there in 10 minutes. The video is just like them being super fucking nerdy, dressed in costumes and fighting each other. <laughs> it looks like they're LARPing, kind of. It's very dorky. I can see why 16-year-old Anton Yelchin wouldn't want that to be out with his new friends. But I have a question. You, all right, these guys haven't been hanging out for a while. They're not like cool as they used to be. Why is he so hellbent on like, you are the one that has to help me with this? Even though I know you actively do not want to and are here against your will. Because it was the three of them. The three of them were best friends and their third best friend is missing. Yeah, and it's like you don't care anymore. All right. I could, guess I can forgive it. And I feel like it's a recent development of like Charlie like decided to like this year ditch them <clears throat> and like try to be cooler so that he could land Amy. He thought that if he didn't do that, he would lose Amy pretty much. Yeah. We learned that that's not the case, but... And his mom is Lisa Loeb. Anyway, I'm done. Yes, I just had to... Wait, what? McLovin's mom in this movie is Lisa Loeb. It's Lisa Loeb. Oh, man. I forget I'm so much older than you. She had that song Stay in, like, the 90s. Stay. Yeah. I think it's your turn to sing. For oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's not going to happen. Oh, <laughs> that's like a real... Oh, have you seen that new... Um, it's like a... She's on a Geico commercial now, like, where she's singing about... Oh, no, I don't get commercials. Anyway, yeah. His mom, his mom is a one-hit wonder from the 90s. Okay. That's something I'll have to look up later, no, I guess. I'm going to do I'm going to send it to you now. <laughs> so that I will have it for later. Excellent. Have okay. It for later. Yes. Anyway. Oh, man. Okay. So Charlie awkwardly runs off without giving much of an excuse and leaves Amy there with his mom. Jerry then is menacingly watching while he runs away and he's eating his apple, you know, as you do. As you do, because uh, fruit bats, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's part fruit bat. I wish... I don't... Oh, man. All right, Cumberdink. Although he doesn't really bat out in this movie. Not really, no. He doesn't have, like, a a valet, like, like in the first movie. Um, Yeah, he didn't have the... What was his name? I don't remember. George. He doesn't have a George in this movie. And... uh, wasn't George. I, I don't know. remember what his name <laughs> No, but, but still. Anyways, okay. So Charlie greets Ed, and then Ed slash McLovin asks where he's been. Charlie says McLovin had said that they would meet after school. It's still after school. And McLovin's like, he meant right after school, right, not now. It's dusk at this point. And doesn't he know that dusk is bad? It's a very uh, Fright Night 2 Charlie move, you know, forgetting when meeting people. I mean, even Fright Night 1 Charlie was 
just like very like oblivious to people. So it yeah. seems like a Charlie thing. Yeah, he's very single-minded. Like he's a vampire. I must tell everyone all the time about this. Slash, I need to look out windows or watch TV while pe- my girlfriend's trying to talk to me or sleep with me. Yes, I must ignore her every chance I get, so I can stare at this guy bringing coffee in. It. Exactly. Okay, so McLevin knocks and rings the bell. Then he breaks in through the doggy door, which is why you never get a doggy door, friends. <laughs> But then the dog could just go out on its own. Yeah, and the people can come in on their own. Really? But only tiny people can come in. Tiny people can be murderers, too. I guess they can be. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm. Don't get a doggy door. All right. So Ed tells Charlie that Jerry is a vampire and he pulls out like stakes and a cross and Charlie's just like that Jerry. Like what? Jerry's a terrible vampire name. True. He follows McLovin into the house, but as he moves, it reveals that there's like a silhouette standing outside of the door and then it walks off. Then I wrote a note of why don't they turn on the lights? Because they're just walking through this house completely dark and they've established, like, they called out, like, hello, anyone here? And, like, established no one's answering. So why don't you just start turning on some lights so you can fucking see throughout the house? Because the neighbors won't see them in the house that's empty or something. I mean, if your friend's missing at this point, who cares if the neighbors see that you're in the house? Like, be like, cool, cops came to the door. This is what's happening. Our friend's missing. Help. Isn't that like a story that he went off on, like, a road trip or vacation or something? They have, like, some weird cover story. I don't have that. Am I imagining this? All right. I think you imagined it. That's your own backstory. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So McLovin goes and attacks a cardboard cutout, then realizes it's a cardboard cutout. Charlie says that no one is in the house. And then McLovin says he saw on the news that a lady escaped someone trying to bite her. Then he and Adam mapped out all of the attacks that have been happening throughout town. And like whole families have just disappeared. Charlie says that happens all the time. No one lives in Vegas. They just pass through. McLovin points out that Charlie's house and like his neighbor's house are in the center of the map of all the cases of disappearances. And he notes that Jerry's windows are all blacked out. Charlie says lots of people have blacked out windows because they work on the strip at night and sleep during the day. So they paint their windows black, Charlie. They don't get blackout blinds. They literally take black paint and paint their windows. Yeah, that all checks out. Okay, sure. It's sure. Mm-hmm. Vegas. It's a different breed when people live out there, so it's fine. It's that is a very fair point. Before we go too far off the track, I love that they switch it to Vegas because where else would a vampire live? Yes, I did really appreciate the Vegas and the whole thing of like, yeah, Vegas is like a town that people just run through. Yeah, people just run through. People vanish all the time in Vegas. They live here one day, they move out the next. It's like oh, this strip is like, I guess, prime feeding ground for a vampire. Like, why haven't there been more more vampire movies in Vegas and less <laughs> zombie movies in Vegas? That's and that's all I'm gonna say about that. Just what you didn't love army of the dead no i didn't love army of the dead i wish we would have thought ahead for army of the dead and made that like um like alternative alternative commentary track like a little watch along thing with army of the dead because i think we would have had some fun with that yeah that would have been fun but hey sam win you fucking kicked ass in that and i was proud to yes. gone to school with you vasquez i mean uh chambers in that movie. chambers no, but she was basically Vasquez from Aliens too. From Aliens, <laughs> she even had the red bandana. When does it pass homage into straight thievery? Is my question with Aliens and this movie. But <laughs> what was the homage line? I don't know. I don't know where it is. I 
I wanted that movie to be great. It I wanted wasn't. that movie to be fun, and it wasn't. There were fun parts. I love Chambers. I love Dieter. Um, Chambers, I thought she should have been in the movie longer. Dieter was... Yes. I liked him, but I think... The, uh, I found him funny. Yeah. I, I enjoyed his parts. I wish there was more of him. I wish... I loved all the Tig moments. Yeah. She was absolutely great in it, and I find it amazing that they just put her into the film after it was already filmed. I didn't notice it too much, but I noticed the end when like near the end of the helicopter crash or whatever, like that's what things mm-hmm. look weird. I'm like, this is off, but I couldn't place it. My major problem with the movie was I knew that that was going to happen at the end because I read an article about Tig like filming for the shoot. And she said in the interview about, yeah, like the part where I really fucking felt like a fraud was when I had to like all of a sudden drive this helicopter, which I've never fucking done. And I'm on the empty like soundstage and it's like pretend that Dave Bautista and a zombie are fighting in the back of like this helicopter with you and I'm like okay so I know that's gonna happen yeah. that's the part that was off that's the part that looked off to me like something just didn't yeah. look right there at the end but everything else they did a pretty good job of making it <laughs> feel a part of the movie like if you don't know and you're not looking for it you're not gonna see it really I don't think yeah I was like eagle eye looking for it because of it yeah. Like, if you're looking for it, you'll see it. But if you're not, like, mm-hmm. I had no idea. And I had, nope. And there's so much other stuff going on. Yeah, that's fair. But anyways, I would not watch that movie again, except for, like, I'll watch it up until Sam dies. <laughs> then I'll turn it off. That's still, like, an hour and a half. <laughs> that's fair. Like, I'll, I'll fast forward to when she arrives and then watch her while she dies. And then be like, I'm done. I think you. I think I text you when I was watching this movie. I'm like, oh, I don't think she's going to last long because she didn't even get an intro. You did say that. And I'm like, I yeah, I had a feeling she wouldn't last long either, but I want her to. <laughs> I want her to. When, when they, she actually starts doing things, like, man, she should have been in the movie way longer. And she should have got an intro. She should have replaced the daughter. I fucking, like, who cares about the daughter? Let's just have more chambers. That whole, that whole daughter storyline was just, like, the, the absolute worst. It was so unnecessary. The movie's long enough already. You didn't need it. Exactly. And then I really, really hated that, like, out of nowhere, right before she dies, the friend is like, no, I was in love with you this whole time, and you didn't act on it. Why? And then she dies. <laughs> There was no point of that. It didn't add anything. It didn't make your death more like sad or anything like that. Cause like, it felt like you had feelings, but he didn't like, I think they only put that in there to justify the reason of her screwing everybody over and the whole mission over for this, because and the time <sighs> she, vanishes, she knows like 10 minutes left before they're going to drop these bombs. And she still vanishes to save her friend, which is the odds of her. No, even- no, I'm talking about the, the, I don't know her name in it, but like Dave Bautista's friend. Oh, like that's the first that girl part. at the oh. mechanic. Oh, I thought you were talking about the daughter. The no, the mechanic. Like he. Ridiculous. I love. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Like, oh, like after we finished killing the zombies and we were safe, you didn't come to me and tell me that you loved me and like I loved you this whole time and then like immediately die. Immediate death. Yeah. Oh, oh boy. That was. Also, but yeah, what was the point? Also, Gita dying. Just like they get no money, Gita dies. What the fuck was the point of any of it? Their kids are orphans, I guess. And I don't know where they are because they got the bomb. And I'm sure the kids aren't still at that camp. <sighs> but anyways. <laughs> but I, I think we've talked out that movie. It was <laughs> it, it was it was good. There was bad. There was mainly bad. But oh well. You know, back to vampires on the strip instead of zombies. So Charlie says that lots of people have blacked out windows because they work on the strip at night and sleep during the day. 
and that doesn't make Jerry Dracula. Then he continues to mock McLovin, and he is annoyed and says that this isn't some like fictional, like lovesick vampire thing, and makes fun of McLovin, saying that he watches Twilight too much. And McLovin's super offended. He's like, "I do not watch Twilight." He protests too much. I think he might maybe he might have watched. It. Yeah. So he's like, "This isn't." Like, this isn't some lovesick vampire. This is a shark, the shark from Jaws. He kills, he feeds, he doesn't stop until everybody around him is dead. McLovin then asks if Charlie uh, has invited him into his house yet because he can't get in without an invitation. He says that they should go and stake him in his nest, but during the day because that's when he would be sleeping. And that's what it said on Peter Vincent's website. Charlie yes. then confirms Peter Vincent, the magician, <laughs> the the guy with the bandana and the leather pants and the tattoos. That's the one. Yep. And McLovin's like, yes, he's the master of dark forces. He studies vampire methodology. What else do you need? And this is the first and probably only time that Charlie refers to him to, as evil. And he goes, evil. This was fun when we were eight and <laughs> McLovin interrupts him and he's just like, try 16. <laughs> he's like, whatever, man. Point is, I grew up. If you don't want to, that's fine. But don't get an attitude because I'd rather have life than make shit up. McLovin then calls Amy a skank and Charlie pushes him to the ground. McLovin is grappling with Charlie, like not caring about Adam or him anymore. Charlie says his life started getting better when he stopped being friends with them. That was cold. That was cold. Yeah, that one hurt. That one, that one was real cool. McLovin then skateboards and cries on his way home. Just <laughs> my note, poor little McLovin. Yeah, then very sad. My favorite Franco comes and knocks him off his skateboard and asks why he's on his street and he's tracking nerd juice all over his street. Ugh. I don't understand his character. Me neither. I don't. I still love him. <laughs> I do like the way McLovin tries to disarm him, though. Well, not physically disarm him, like the way he tries to get up, get out of being beat up. Like, all right, just get this over with. Just hit me. And just like, just right. stuff to do. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, okay. He, yeah, he tells him like to go ahead and hit him. Just like get it over with. And then as soon as Franco pulls a hit, he ducks so that Franco hits the car. He then runs and jumps over a fence, dropping his bag along the way. Franco opens it up and finds like all the vampire stuff, the stakes, the crosses, whatever. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, what a freak. Then McLovin is running and jumping fences. He runs straight into Jerry and says he's armed, then smashes. uh, Oh, he smashes a glass door in a house like to get inside of the house. And he's like, ha ha, you cannot get in here. Jerry's like Michael Myers walking after him. Just like slowly, like, yeah, I'm not too worried about this. Speaking of Mike Myers, um, so recently we went um, back home so that I could see my family and whatever. And we went to Raj's parents' house. So it was my first time going there. And they live off of Mike Myers Road. It's probably your Mike Myers, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's the Canadian actor. But I was it's just Austin like... Austin Powers Road. Yes. But anyways, I, I very much appreciated that. And Raj was like, you have no idea how often that sign gets stolen. <laughs> I can imagine. Too bad it's Mike and not Michael, but whatever. Yeah, exactly. It would have been better if it was Michael. Oh, yeah. Then I would have stolen it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then, 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 then you'd have told Raj, like, I, I don't know how many, but I know it's going to be plus one now. It's Yep, exactly. Like, watch my back. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to happen. 
<laughs> so yeah, McLovin's taunting Jerry that he can't come into the house without an invitation, but Jerry walks right in and he's like, it's an abandoned house. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need an invitation for an abandoned house. I love how Jerry gets around this invitation role in this movie a couple times. Yeah, yeah, I did appreciate the way that he goes about it, but also like have some questions. We'll get there. Um, But he thought that McLovin had done his homework and that McLovin's like, ah! (laughs) Uh, Then he says that he knows that McLovin has been watching him and he's been watching McLovin back. It seems only fair. McLovin runs deeper into the house. Jerry casually strolls after him, (laughs) whistling and sniffing (laughs) to follow. (laughs) But uh, to be honest, McLovin's just like slamming doors and making so much noise that like he really didn't have to do much to follow him. Like I, I would have been able to quite easily. Very easy to find him, yeah. McLovin climbs out a window and onto the roof. He jumps off. He hurts his ankle, but then we the camera switches angles and we see that Jerry's just sitting in a lawn chair right behind him. Just hanging out. Just chilling. And he's like, that looked like I hurt. And McLovin falls into the pool. And I'm like, wait, it's an abandoned house. Why is the pool still full? Neighborhood kids want to go swimming? <laughs> in the abandoned house's pool? Well, you know, they don't have pools. Do you maybe. know how expensive it is to maintain a pool? Nope. But <laughs> Raj ranted at me about it last night because I was saying how it was my dream to have a pool one day. And he's like, uh, no, 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 no. Like, you're not getting a pool. That's never happening. <laughs> Come on. I-, I watch Paranormal Activity. It's just a pool vacuum. It's not that bad. Right? I'm like, I just, all we need is the pool vacuum. We'll get a teddy bear as security. It'll be all good. <laughs> That's it. It's not that bad. Tell Rise to relax. It's okay. It's going to pull back. You'll be fine. The word money pit was shouted at me quite a few times. <laughs> That's a movie I did watch, but I don't think that. I don't think it's that bad. I know people with pools. They seem to be fine. <laughs> they seem to be doing okay. McLovin says that he told others about Jerry. Jerry asks if he really thinks anyone would believe him. And he says, don't play that mind shit with me. I'm serious. Try me. And then Jerry gets into the pool and he's saying... You say you're different, but how can you be in a place like this? These people, even your best friend, they think you're nothing and you're nothing to him now. This is true. Yeah. And then he's like, you were born for this. You know it. It's a gift. And he bites McLovin and drags him under the water. And fun fact, Colin Farrell actually broke skin with this bite because he was too aggressive. <laughs> so he really made him a vampire? Cool. All right, then. Yeah. Like, if you pay attention, I, they must have filmed this in sequence or something like that, or at least this scene was the first, like, bite scene he did. Because this one, it looks like he actually is doing the biting, and then the other ones, it all looks very CGI when he bites someone. Yeah. If you think about it, if you have a take where it was actually done, you weren't planning on it, you keep that. You That's the one you use. Yeah. But... Anyways, we cut to the next day. Tony Collette, mom, is happy that Jerry is good on his word and he's moving that stupid dumpster. But Well, he's not personally, but he has someone moving the dumpster. Yes, it has been moved. But we cut to Charlie watching, oh, his lame video with McLovin and Adam. Amy pulls up and asks the mom if Charlie is up yet. She says, Amy should try because he's not like hearing my frequency when I talk. Such a cool mom. Yeah. Amy calls to him and he eventually comes out for her. We then have roll call again in class and still missing people, including now McLovin. Charlie then goes over to McLovin's house to check on him. And this is where I guess we get our cameo from the pop star I've never heard of. Yeah, Lisa Lope. She had one hit in the 90s. Then she had a dating show on E! later on about her trying to find the husband-boyfriend man. And Okay, that's where I know her name from, but I never watched it. Yes. But I'm like, 
I know her name. I just don't know her. Yeah. There was a lot of really bad celebrity dating shows in the early 2000s. Yeah, it was like, it was like she was like the first Bachelorette, I guess, in a way. Because it's kind of that kind of show that everybody was trying to get with. Lisa I feel like The Bachelorette was on by then. Was it? No? I don't know. It's all it, it was like 2000. Could have been. Might have been actually. Might have been before then. I don't know. Maybe by, maybe by 2000. Yeah. But I remember what I used to watch in the early 2000s was Rock of Love with Brett Michaels. <laughs> Yes, it was one of those, only not as scantily clad. Yeah, it was just like every single woman that applied for that job, that job, <laughs> being in a relationship with him was a job, clearly. <laughs> Anyways. Good benefits, you know, 401k, the whole bit. Yeah, they were all strippers for the most part. And then I remember, I remember watching it and there was this one girl and she was just so upset that he liked other girls other than her. Like, he liked her, but like he was kissing other girls too and she was like oh i didn't sign up for this i'm like you literally signed up for this Wait, what do you mean you didn't yes you did did, did they lie to you did they say it was gonna be a different kind of show did they tell you that you were the only one that was gonna date him because i don't think that's the premise of the show <laughs> um you know i may not be a, pro- a producer on this show but i have a feeling if you signed up for rock of love you would know and i think it was rock of love season two that she was on oh, so like she really should have known so it's even worse because rock yeah. of love season one maybe you forgive it maybe yeah. but like also i don't remember if he actually picked someone in that but i think he did but the fact that there's a rock of love season two it's just like really well there's also like a flavor of love season like five or whatever that, that had a bump. yeah that's i never watched flavor of love but i never understood why there were so many seasons it's like at what point do you realize that this man is not in it for the love and like why are you watching this show then <laughs> like what he's had a bad luck he's had a bad run you know he's bad luck at love you know so he keeps on trying man it's it's uh, i respect that i guess I, I don't understand it but oh well the parents are happy to see charlie and they say that mclovin isn't there he leaves early charlie asks to go upstairs to grab a book and they let him in because they're old friends yeah, they're old friends. And Lisa Loeb is like, oh, you should come by more. I miss it when my son had friends. I missed it when my son wasn't like an ultimate loser with no friends <laughs> as well as being a dork. Exactly. Before he had at least you and the other guy. Now he doesn't have no, he has no one. <laughs> no, he has Jerry now. He, now he does, but, he, but his mom doesn't know that yet. No, that's fair. Also, I would hope that the mom would be concerned why his son, her son was hanging around like a 30 year old man. <laughs> When he's in high school, but you never know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's a pop star. She's her mind is open to you know all kinds of relationships. It's fun. So McLovin's not in his room, obviously, and Charlie finds a notebook with a list on it that says "Vampire Kit," and there's drawings of different weapons and that sort of thing. He then goes over to the computer, and Peter's website. Uh, sorry, Peter Vincent's website is up. He then goes and finds a file that is labeled The Jerry Diaries with video files labeled Dumpster, Garage, Jerry underscore leaving, Talking to Doors, Jerry underscore arriving. Very exciting titles. Uh, Then Charlie plays The Dumpster File and we hear McLovin telling Adam to look. He says, ooh, a guy with a wheelbarrow, the horror. (laughs) No one believes McLovin. Yeah, no one believes McLovin, but you can see on this video footage that the wheelbarrow is moving by itself because this is like the only vampire 
film that actually goes through with the they cannot appear on film. Yes, because this one they stay true to that. Being. Yeah, if they cannot be seen in a mirror, then they should not be able to be photographed and like be on a film, like all these things. It doesn't make any sense. And in every other vampire like media, they usually just skirt by this and are like, yeah, no, they, they can be filmed. They, they can get photos taken of them. It's they, fine. They can be on TV shows. It's fine. They have, you know, they have their own Friday night TV show and where they do a dance scene. It's fine. It's, it, mm-hmm. it's totally okay. Yep. But in that movie, it angers me because they don't even have, because sometimes they have reflections in other medias or whatever. Mm-hmm. No reflection in Friday night too. And still, but on TV, grr, yeah, so mad. Well, like the same thing happens in Buffy and in what we do in the shadows. They play up this whole, they don't appear in the mirror. And especially on like Angel and Buffy, like they they play that over and over again. And they also play over and over again the fact that he doesn't breathe because he's dead. But then he'll get in a fight scene and then he'll be gasping like all out of breath. And I'm like, you don't breathe, sir. Or like he'll smoke a cigarette. And I'm like, you don't breathe, sir. Like I don't understand. I didn't know that part. Wow, that's silly. And what makes it even more silly is a, it's like a step you didn't have to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's a part where Buffy dies uh, and she needs CPR and Xander's there and he's like, give her CPR. And he's like, I don't breathe. I can't do it. So Xander has to give her CPR. Oh, oh Joss. But anyway, so I appreciate that the vampire does not show up on film does not. in this film. <laughs> so... <laughs> Charlie then watches Jerry underscore arriving. McLevin says, there, that's his truck. And as the truck pulls into the driveway, then the truck door opens and closes, but we can't see anyone actually doing these things, even though you can hear their footsteps or whatever. But if all the reflections not showing up, their clothes should still show up, though, right? It's like the same thing. <laughs> And what we do in the shadows, where like the girls, like uh, I'm gonna get Jenna's, like I, I need to get naked to turn to a bat, right? Because like, where do your clothes go? And they're like, um, don't think of the specifics, just don't think about it. All right, this should be like it should be like a shirt and pants using a wheelbarrow, right? Just oh man, <laughs> that would be so much better, <laughs> wouldn't it? It should be good. It'd be shirt and pants and a jacket or something, just like. In a wheelbarrow movie. Wearing like sunglasses, like the invisible man. Like, do, 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 do. Exactly. That'll all work. Oh. So then McLovin narrates for us, in case we haven't realized this by now, he doesn't show up on video. Thanks, McLovin. We needed that. I hadn't noticed. Charlie looks taken back as the music swells. We then cut to night and Charlie is walking home. Charlie brings in the trash can and then Jerry shows up like directly behind him, all spooky, like asking for a favor. He says he has a girl coming over for a beer, but he's all out of beer. He asks Charlie for some and says he'll pay him back double. He'll get Charlie some and his mom some. Charlie agrees to go check their fridge. Jerry follows and stops at the threshold. He points out how nice their kitchen is, nice cabinets, whatever. Charlie offers him Budweiser. He then drops one of the beers and Jerry asks if he can come help him. And Charlie's just like, no, 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 no. So fast that it's so obvious that he knows that something is up. Or at least suspects. Yeah, exactly. He then goes to hand him off the beer, but he like tests how far Jerry can reach into their house by pulling it back and then pushing it forward. Anyways, Jerry starts on this whole entire monologue of this girl tonight is a handful. Girls who look a certain way like need to be managed. 
he keeps looking into their house all sketchily because Jerry's just a sketch bag. He then asks Charlie if his dad walked out, says his mom didn't exactly say, but there was a kind of neglect that gives off a scent. He continues to say Charlie has a lot on his shoulders with the two of them all alone and then says, your girl, Amy, she's ripe. I bet there's a line of guys trying to pluck that. Your mom, too. You don't see maybe. Well, maybe you do. But she is putting it out there. It's on. You you look out for them. Are you up for that guy? This all comes out of nowhere. Like It's, it's just weird. Yeah. It's this whole monologue of him just being super sexual and creepy. And yeah, I don't I don't get it. Is this I guess this is his way of threatening him. But yeah, or like to get him to come inside or something by saying, hey, get in here and or try to get him to come outside something. Yeah, I don't I don't quite understand it. Did not appreciate this whole monologue. It was very gross. At least I felt settled in the fact that I had read the fact beforehand that Colin Farrell was not OK with this. <laughs> like, like, OK. And like I say, it works with the character to yeah. make him even creepier still. Like, you know, he's, he's a good looking man. So you got to do something. So it's just to make mm-hmm. him just ugly in other ways. Yeah. He's just, as you said before, a predator in every sense of the word. Yeah. But anyways, Charlie says he thinks that he can manage. And then Jerry says, good, because there are, are a lot of bad people out there. Everyone's got to look after his own business. He then sketchily looks around again then thanks Charlie for the beers walks off. Charlie closes the door. Then he goes upstairs. Amy's waiting in his room for him. She's like, I've been here for an hour. You told me to come here. Like, what the fuck? That's good on her for saying that long. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) But Charlie goes straight for the window and then asks if Amy is all right. Amy asks if he's ever read Withering Heights because she's reading it. And she says, it's really good. I agree. It is a good book. And she's like, it's kind of sexy in a frustrated, unconsummated sort of way. And I'm like, have you ever read Wuthering Heights? I have not read Wuthering Heights. Okay. So the concept is that this rich man, he uh, has a daughter, he has a son, and then he adopts like this gruff child, Heathcliff. And so he raises him just like his son. But then once he dies, the son who actually inherits like all the money, he's like, you're not a son, fuck off. And like, doesn't give him anything. But there's all this like passion between him and his like stepsister pretty much. And he's obsessed with her. And like, there's like multiple plots for him to try to like get her and all this stuff. And like, it's just like, it never gets consummated. But then once she dies... He crawls into her grave and lies with her and all this stuff. Like, Whoa, all right, that's a little, all right, that's... Yeah, it, it's a lot. And, like, I think he tries to get her daughter or something like that because she looks like her. I forget. But it's all, like, really creepy because it's technically his sister. Like, they were raised as siblings. <laughs> yeah. Like they're not siblings, but they are raised as such. Yeah, so it's not sexy, in my opinion, but... Okay, Amy, whatever floats your boat. I think Amy was just trying to flirt. <laughs> sure, but no. no not when it comes to other hands. I think Amy was just Wait, trying. I'm trying to... Oh, it reminds me of Billy and Scream, where he's just like, I was watching The Exorcist and reminded me of you. <laughs> I've seen The Exorcist, so I believe that to be worse. <laughs> yeah, but like that's what it reminds me of, like horrible pickup lines. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Terrible, <laughs> terrible. And so Charlie clarifies, like us, you mean? Like unconsummated love for whatever? And she's like, it kind of makes it hotter. They kiss, but Charlie is looking over her shoulder the entire time. Classic Charlie. Classic Charlie. She asks if uh, she is boring him. He says he's just tired. She starts to unbutton her shirt and asks if he wants to get under the covers. And he's like, right now? Really? She's like, yeah, why not? He tells her there's nothing he'd rather do, but he sounds unsure. She tells him not to be nervous and they kiss. A doorbell rings in the distance and he jumps from the bed (laughs) to the window asking if she heard it. Doris, the beautiful blonde neighbor with a kneel on her butt. Yeah is at Jerry's door. Charlie is shocked and saying, oh shit. Amy says, what? Your neighbor's hot. She's a stripper. They were bound to find each other. (laughs) Charlie clarifies, she's a go-go dancer. Yeah, Yeah, I need you to get this right. Come on. (laughs) Love and respect. Yeah. Uh, Amy slut shames her and saying, take away two tiny pieces of cloth and she's a stripper. He says, rude. And I'm like, yes, Charlie, that was rude. (laughs) Call her out on it. (laughs) Jerry looks up at them as he ushers Doris inside and Charlie says, oh shit, again, and pushes Amy away saying he saw them. She says, maybe, but that's like not a big deal. Who the fuck cares? Um, Going out, run over, doesn't matter. And Charlie says that it's a huge deal. He was pissed. Amy says, okay, Charlie, if you're not into this, you can can just tell me because you don't have to do me any favors. Charlie says, of course he's into it. Just he doesn't trust Jerry. One has nothing to do with the other. But okay. <laughs> I'm like, if I was a high school girl trying to like, I don't know if she's had sex before, but like have my first intimate time with my boyfriend and he's talking about his neighbor, I would be like, he's... The way they're talking, I'm going to guess she has and he hasn't. Just the way, just the way everything's been playing out. Yeah, I would agree. But still, I would be like, mm, no, no, no. I, I need your attention, not Jerry. Thank you. <laughs> Unlike original Amy, where it's like, this... Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, at least this Amy doesn't go down and start screaming in front of his mom about making love. <laughs> That's a plus. Yeah, you know, just, she knows a little bit better. And this mom probably wouldn't take it as well as the original mom. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think she would. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Amy calls him stupid and says she's going. He says sorry. She says she's leaving uh, him to look out his window at the neighbor uh, and have fun with his neighborhood watch. He just lets her go. And I'm just like, you. so you think that your neighbor is a vampire, but you're going to let your girlfriend just peace out in the middle of the night. Original Charlie would have never done that. Like, I just don't understand the concept. I guess you're like, oh, he must be distracted with Doris. There's no way he could go after my girlfriend. I mean, he doesn't, but like still. That's, that's <laughs> that not was my thought at this point. <laughs> we then cut to Charlie. He's sleeping upright in a chair by the window when he is awoken by a woman's blood curdling scream. He calls 911 and then we cut to the cops at uh, Jerry's door and they're asking him, saying that they heard that somebody heard a woman screaming. And Jerry responds with, you bet I made her scream. Ha ha ha. Nudge, nudge. Want a beer? Yeah. Yeah. And I threw up in my mouth a little. But anyways... Charlie mocks him as the cops laugh and they leave. Jerry pulls out in his truck right after them and leaves to go somewhere. Charlie then jumps the fence and he Googles how to pick a lock, (laughs) which immediately reminded me of the time that I Googled how to pick a lock. He gets really good at it really quickly. He does, but he, Charlie tries to pick the lock, but can't. And then he finds the key in a fake rock. Why does Jerry have the key in a fake rock? Well, you know. 
I have no idea. I can't even come up with a stupid reason for having a fake rock. Like, it just seems like a stupid thing for a vampire to do. My only excuse is that it was there from the last neighbors. Maybe. Could be. be. All right. We'll go with that. He gets inside and he starts walking around the house and he's whispering Doris's name. He goes upstairs into Joey's like office and he takes a picture of this strange painting. It's an angel with a crown on its head. It has like this star on its chest and then there are crests above each of its angel wings. Very very cool looking. Mm. It was pretty cool looking. Then there was like a flash from his camera as he takes a picture of it and it can be seen outside the window. And I was like, oh, you're going to get caught, boy. But then he opens the closet uh, and it's full of different uniforms, like police uniforms, all sorts of different things. That was weird. That weird. That was pretty interesting. Just like, hey, this is how he gets victims, pretending to be cops and security guards and whatever else. The, it was a delivery man uniform. Was it too. Yeah, which I found very interesting because like what delivery man comes once the sun is set? But anyway. Well, sure. it, it depends. Like if it sets early and you get there on six or seven, like I've got packages that late. Hmm. I don't know. But anyways, so he then sees Jerry pull up into the garage. He goes to hide in the closet and he finds that there's a false back on the closet and it leads him to a hall of doorways. The murder dungeon. The murder dungeon. And like all of the doors have locks on them. He opens the first door to see that it's a small, brightly lit room. He tries another door. It's locked. He looks through the people and a bloody hand hits it. Charlie then sees it's Doris and tells her it's him. She asks him to get her out. He tries to pick the lock, but hears Jerry coming. So Charlie goes and hides in the first room that he had opened. Jerry goes to get Doris and he feeds off her. She motions to Charlie to stay quiet. Then Jerry throws Doris back into the room and goes to leave, but he smells Charlie as he's leaving. It's funny because her doing that made me love Doris, actually. Yeah, I thought like she wasn't like, help me. She was like, no, save your fucking self. Yeah, it broke my heart when what happens to happen. So I'm like, oh, she was a good person. I feel yeah. bad. Because she's like getting fed on. She's just like her hand, her finger to her lips. Like, Shh, don't make a noise. Don't make a sound. Yeah. She was a good person. She was. So kind of like, you know, even though she had a kneel on her butt, still good person. <laughs> I really hope Neil does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> like, just going to be so embarrassing for me. Okay. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Okay. Thursday, Friday, you're going to get a text message like, I, guess what? <laughs> hey, we haven't talked in 15 so years. <laughs> but apparently I'm popular here on your podcast. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. Yes. Jerry smells Charlie, but he leaves anyway. And then he goes to watch TV, quote unquote. Charlie picks the lock and helps Doris. Jerry is watching The Real Housewives or something like that. One of those shows, yeah. Yeah, he's smiling over them talking about getting implants. He's like super fascinated by their implant story. He's into it. Yeah. Charlie sneaks downstairs with Doris and he sees through a mirror or rather doesn't see that Jerry is in the kitchen looking in the fridge. He opens a beer and tosses the cap on the floor. And I'm like, I know you're a monster, but come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Just tossing garbage on your own floor. What? You know, you're going to have to pick that up later. Exactly. Why? And like if it fell not face side up like and you step on a beer cap those are not comfortable it, it does not feel good that's gonna hurt yeah like why are you doing this but anyways he's like don't care <laughs> i'm too cool to throw things in the garbage um, look, look, look at me look how cool i am 
Tony Collette made me get rid of my dumpster. Now. So now, <laughs> where am I going to put my... It was all full of beer bottles <laughs> and beer tops. That's all it was. Oh, Lord. Jerry seems to sense that they are there. He walks back only to grab an apple instead. Like then, a jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the asshole he is. Exactly. He looks towards the towards upstairs, smiles to himself, and then walks off again and sits to watch TV. Charlie and Doris escape, but we see that Jerry is standing around the corner letting them go. It's then daylight outside, and Charlie is telling Doris she'll be okay when she bursts into flames and dies. <laughs> In a cloud of dust. In a cloud of dust. And Jerry's laughing to himself as he eats his apple. Like a jerk. <laughs> like a motherfucking jerk. Exactly. Oh, can't, stand, can't stand you eating your apple like a jerk. Anyway. Hey, at least he isn't constantly shaving his face. But True. <laughs> uh, okay, so we cut to Charlie looking traumatized in his room. His mom comes in and tells him he's going to be late. And she's like, God, with the hours that you keep, it's like you're, I'm living with a vampire. Get it? Because I uh, get it. Charlie is warning his mom not to ever invite Jerry in because he's dangerous. The mom is saying she can handle herself. Charlie tells her to trust him. She's like, I'm the mom here. I do what I want. Yeah, she tells him to stop. She's his mom, not some ridiculous woman. <laughs> I'm like, okay. What? Everyone has another deal, but okay, and we can. Sure. Charlie then runs off at school. He's googling Peter Vincent. The first link on Google says Peter Vincent, vampire slayer, and I'm like, clearly his agent kind of sucks. If the not the first thing, it's not like Peter Vincent, Vegas show. Like it should be an immediate like buy tickets here as the first link, but no. It doesn't. Charlie reads Peter Vincent's website. And so it has a bio on the first page. And it says, Peter Vincent, a Las Vegas institution, a magician who works in the dark world of the occult. His show embraces every sinister aspect of the supernatural art. His dark, mysterious magic is woven from the profound knowledge of the esoteric world world of the occult, gleaned from the vast collection of books and artifacts from the four kernels of the mystic world. A student of the catalytic world, he is the single greatest authority on Barry Big Font vampires. And his, and has, yeah, and has studied all the various tribes that make up their weird world. World, please say world one more time. It's my note. Let me count how many times they said world there. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, five times in that bio have they said world. So Charlie's writing his own notes. They include one bite and they, but we can't see the rest of that one. And then it says to feed off the vampire. Again, with the half note because it's cut off by the camera angle. Then the next note says, Vamps change form, bats and animals, because, you know, bats aren't animals, etc. Vamps absolutely cannot shapeshift. Tribes? Question mark? Peter Vincent, vamp expert? Question mark? It was in bold type. No question mark there. No, 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 no. This is literally his notes. No, I don't believe you, but he he shouldn't have that question mark there. It should be, like, definitive, like, period. (laughs) Nope. Question mark. Amy then shows up and says hi, and he thought he wasn't in class. What's he working on? Charlie says porn. (laughs) That's great. 
Yep, Amy says, good. I thought it was something creepy. She asks if he's okay. He says he should probably get back to, and she's like, back to your porn? It's like, yeah. Very busy. Got a stretch arm strong under the table. It's, you know, get to it. <laughs> oh, God. I just, I just, I can't with the stretch arm strong drinking it. Like, what? Don't know what the appeal of it is, but okay. Oh, Lord. Okay. We cut to Charlie. He's at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino looking for Peter Vincent. He buys a copy of The Las Vegas Sun and then steals a man's jacket with a name tag and slides the piece of newspaper with, like, sun into the badge. He walks through a set of doors and then we cut to a woman in a old-fashioned dress, like white dress, and she's lying on a bed surrounded by fog. A wolf howls and vampires or like vampresses, they're all female, creep up onto the bed. We cut to Charlie walking into the auditorium as two more vampresses climb upon the bed. An explosion happens and Peter Vincent appears on the stage in front of them. He says, get back, demons. He turns to them, arms outstretched as they hiss. The woman in white levitates off the bed as the vampires slink back. The lady in white shows her fangs and hisses and Peter Vincent yells no and motions to her and there is like a small spark. Peter Vincent calls cut, says that she's supposed to be on fire. The tech blames the actress. The actress blames them, says they nearly burnt off her extensions last time. Peter Vincent says, bugger this. And I'm like, oh, he's very British, but also kind of reminds me of Russell Brand with this accent that he is vaguely different from his usual one, which is more yeah, Scottish. Like subtly different. It's very subtly different. To my American is also a fine, just... Well, because he's... Isn't he Scottish? I believe he might be. I think he is. Yeah, so like... This is more of a British accent where it sounds like he's trying to be Russell Brand. But anyways, he says, get me some professionals. All right. And then he smacks the makeup artist and storms off because, you know, he's entitled so he can smack his employees. And that's what you do. You know, when they're not doing a good job, you you smack them to, yeah. for them to learn. I mean, the makeup artist was doing a fine job. Everyone's makeup looked great uh, other than Peter Vincent's, to be honest. But anyways, everyone looked great. And that's why he slapped her. See, because everybody else is looking great except for me slapped. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fair, I guess. Not the smacking, but sure. <laughs> Before we go too far, the fact that a newspaper title thing and a badge holder works to get him past security is, I don't know what that says about the security where he's at. Just saying. Yeah, so security is pretty questionable here, clearly. But, oh well. Either that or, like, no one gives a fuck about Peter Vincent. I'll go for column B, I think, or whatever. No one cares. <laughs> Oh, man, I watched all of the most recent uh, season of Hell's Kitchen because I just needed mindless content okay. uh, last week. And they went to a Chris Angel show and I <laughs> I lost it. Like I stay in the hotel where Chris Angel performed and I still didn't even go to the show. I mean, that's completely fair. I don't know that I would have gone <laughs> to a Chris Angel show. That's the thing. Like Vegas doesn't appeal to me because I'm not like, oh, these shows are really great. I would probably go see Britney Spears if she was still there just because my childhood would want me to. But I'm not really into anyone else. Right? And I don't gamble. And, uh, I gambled and drank a lot. Every time I was in Vegas, and yeah, it's pretty much all I've done every time in both my trips. But don't worry, when we go, we're going to do the Saw Escape Room, thanks to our beautiful, beautiful fans. They're going to send us there yeah. to get to get to first review it in person. I do like escape rooms, although I will probably be terrified of this one. 
Yeah, yeah. Come on, just be it just be audio tapes and like gears and stuff and asking us if we want to play a game. I think we'll be able I think we'll be ready for it. <laughs> Hopefully. And Billy the Pub is just getting thrown at us. Thrown. <laughs> thrown at us. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't been in it. Maybe that's what they do. <gasps> Oh, man. As long as there's no one like chasing me, I'm good. Anyways. Okay. So Charlie calls after him saying that he's from the sun. They had an appointment. Peter Vincent says he doesn't think so. Speak to his guy. Charlie says that he's writing an article called Vampires Separating Myth from Fact. Peter Vincent says, do you want to quote? That's a shit idea for an article. And he's right. Yeah. I wrote my note like he's pulling in all the snow as he nods his head towards a woman and saying, I fucked her. Filthy. Just reminded me of forgetting Sarah Marshall way too much where he's like, I'm going to fuck her. <laughs> I used to have all of his random songs from forgetting Sarah Marshall on my like old iPod. Like all I remember is like, I swear to the Lord, <laughs> I swear to the Lord, I will say and slay him. That's it. His head on my mantelpiece will um, let you know how much I love you. <laughs> And then my favorite one more so was the Peter You Suck song. <laughs> Everyone hates you. Everybody wishes that you were dead. Cause Peter, you suck. Peter, you suck. Peter, your music is fucking terrible. Peter, you suck. Write some music. But instead you write these bullshit songs. It's so self-loathing. Go see a psychiatrist. I hate the psychiatrist. Go see one anyways. I don't want to. Go see the psychiatrist. I'm not going. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> don't remember that song at all by the way it's funny don't remember it though it's amazing it's during his like mental breakdown once he comes back from hawaii <laughs> he writes that song where were we oh yes he fucked that or girl she's filthy <laughs> filthy peter vincent then asked if charlie's first if this is charlie's first assignment he says he's going to pop his cherry and tells ginger to bring charlie upstairs He'll give him 10 minutes. The elevator opens to this macabre museum and Charlie asks if it's all Peter Vincent's and she explains that he started collecting tarots and Ouija's and now scholars call him for answers. Those books, the forgot... Oh, she points out a set of books and she's like, those books... They're the forgotten text, the Agrippa. I don't know what that is. He's that's read true. them all. Anyways. Um, and then she's like, over there, that's haunted antiques, cursed stuff. And that's Pete's honorary degree from Las Vegas State University. But he got that off the internet. <laughs> no point in writing him out like that, but okay. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck is the suite that he lives in? Like part museum, part office, part suite. Just Yeah, like it's like he has this museum and then he has this giant room with a bar and beautiful view of vegas and whatever and then he has a bedroom and he has a panic room and all these things and i'm like what where does he live well, he lives in the hotel the hotel has this as their suite um yes okay so peter vincent lights a fire and he almost burns himself he then tells ginger to get him a drink she says fuck you and leaves and he tells her fuck you too i've never seen a guy pound midori before but that's what he does yeah <laughs> i was just like wait a second isn't that like a sweet melon liqueur and i looked up I'm like yes it is it's it's for mixing it's not for drinking straight and he spends this entire movie pounding midori i'm like i've never heard of somebody i know people that like midori the midori sour or this or that you know whatever but man pounding straight midori all movie yeah i didn't i didn't get it 
I was like, did they like switch it to Midori? And like originally he was supposed to be drinking absinthe all the time, but then they realized he would be tripping fucking balls. <laughs> Maybe, but I think he says Midori in this one. Part. Does so I don't understand. Pounding Midori, like there's no tomorrow. Sure, I don't know. Anyways. He offers Charlie liquor and then says maybe a Shirley Temple instead. Uh, Charlie, it's Midori. Have some. It's fine. Like it's, it's Shirley okay. He then goes and sits down. He rips off his wig and complains of rashes due to the leather pants that he has to wear. He takes off his mustache and beard slowly. And then Charlie says that he knows his show is an illusion, meaning bullshit. Like he's like, fair enough. Yeah, he's like, yeah, fair enough. It is bullshit. Um, And he's like, but say I wanted to kill a vampire. And Peter Vincent laughs, then apologizes and says, carry on. How would you do it? And Peter Vincent's like, seriously? Yeah. Okay, well, let's think. You've got fire, beheading. You can make him a big garlicky omelet or go traditional steak through the heart. Bam. And so Charlie asks, like, cool. So that stuff really works. And he's like, maybe not the omelet. Peter Vincent then asks, how should he know? And Charlie says he he's read all these books, has all of this stuff and calls himself an expert. Like, so shouldn't he know how to kill a vampire? Peter Vincent asks if Charlie thinks he spends his time with Dracula and the Easter Bunny. <laughs> Charlie says he has a personal interest because a vampire got his friend. Uh, it was his neighbor, Jerry. <laughs> Peter Vincent's like, Jerry, Jerry the vampire. Jerry's <laughs> a shit name for a vampire. Which is fair. Yeah. Well, like, no, he just goes Jerry, Jerry the vampire. Because earlier, uh, Charlie said that's a sh- like shitty name for a vampire. <laughs> I was like echoing that. Charlie says that he knows how it sounds, but it's really happening. He took pictures from his lair and then he's trying to show Peter Vincent the pictures. But Peter Vincent tells him he's a nut job and to get out. Charlie tries to convince him, but Ginger escorts him out of the hotel. We then cut to my favorite Franco and the other dude. They're getting high in their car and they see Charlie putting crosses in his window. They're like, what a fucking freak. What is he doing? Um, Then Jerry comes out over to the car and bites them both. Charlie is then whittling steaks and his mom comes in to say the house looks like uh, the set of dark shadows. Charlie claims that it's a gag for Amy. The doorbell rings and then he goes downstairs. Amy's already inside. Charlie freaks that the door was unlocked. Amy then calls him out for losing it and demands he tells her what's up. He tells her he won't let her get hurt and she asks how she'll get hurt. Jerry is at the door now and he's knocking. The mom says that she's going to get it and Charlie blocks her way and begs her not to let him in. I like Amy in this part because she's like, listen, I'm not going to let you just do this. You can explain this to me. Here and out. Let's do this. Talk it out. Like, it's cool. It's cool. Very mature for teenagers. I agree. I, I like Amy for the most part. Yes, yeah, so do I. So Jerry says that he needs to talk to the mom now because her son is harassing him. He broke into his house so that he'd rather not involve the police. But Charlie is sick and deluded. Charlie looks at his mom, begging her, please don't talk to him. Don't open the door. Everybody don't let him in. Mm-hmm. So she tells Jerry to go get the authorities and Jerry stalks off. Charlie watches as he heads back with a shovel and a saw. They all watch Jerry make his way to the backyard and Charlie tells them as long as they stay in their house, they're safe because he can't get in without an invitation. Amy smirks and says, like a vampire. And Charlie's like, yes, exactly like a vampire. Yes, you got it. This is why you're going to get hurt. See, 
Mom thinks it's a joke for Amy and she can't believe that he got Jerry in on it. Charlie gives them each protection, like crosses, etc. Then his mom is like, what the fuck is he doing to my yard as Jerry digs? And then I have my own personal note of laughing because this is so obviously not a real hole. It's like he digs for two seconds and gets two huge chunks of dirt out with like no effort that are really obviously made with like foam or something. And then he immediately knows exactly where their gas line is without like any effort at all. Well, he did say he worked construction earlier. So maybe that's why he knew. Do you think he actually worked construction? Probably not. But still, you know. (laughs) But he was... Like they had a perfectly manicured backyard lawn and he was just like, nope, the gas line is right here. I know it. I think I'm, I think I got this one. Though. As we see later, he's been digging under his house a bit, making himself a layer. Maybe he saw the gas line from underneath. Maybe, but I, I doubt that because the layer is only underneath his property. Yeah, but he knows where it's, these are cookie cutter houses. So all right, it's here in my house. So it's going to be basically there in her house. too. Okay. I'll give you that one. Yay. (laughs) So he finds the gas line uh, for the stove and he pulls it out, releasing gas into the house. He then cuts the hose and lights the gas on fire, creating several explosions throughout the house. Jerry then says he doesn't need an invitation if there is no house. They go to the garage to escape and the mom says she'll drive and asks what the fuck is going on. Charlie tells her to just gun it and go. She hits his bike on the way out and there's another explosion that comes out of the garage as they leave. Jerry then gets on the bike that is now suddenly working, but the tire is bent out of shape from being hit. The mom is checking to see that everyone's okay in the car when Jerry throws the bike through the car's back windshield and the motor is still going, so it nearly like hits Amy. Very good throw. Great aim. (laughs) The mom says, this is seriously not okay, Charlie. (laughs) Who the fuck is this guy? I'm like, yeah, it really, like, no shit, it's seriously not okay. He blew up your house. (laughs) Blew up the house, destroyed the car. Like, it's not okay on so many levels. And Charlie says, I told you, he's a vampire. Mom says enough about the vampires. She's calling the cops, but they have no service, none of them. So Jerry speeds up behind them in his truck and he rear ends them. He comes along the side and sideswipes them. Then he pulls in front of them and blocks the road uh, by turning sideways. He gets out of the car and he walks towards them. Charlie forces his mom to run him over. And they hit him with the truck. Sorry, they hit him with their car and then they hit his truck as well. They continue driving on and they're like, where the fuck did he go? It turns out that he's underneath their car. He starts breaking through the floor with his vamp hand. Charlie says, see, it's a fucked up vampire hand. Now do you believe me? Like, I guess if I have to. Like, this dude survived being hit by a car and now he has these nasty ass nails and is breaking through your car floor. Do you fucking believe me, mom? Maybe. Maybe I do. Mm, I don't know. Still sounds sketchy. <laughs> Charlie then kicks at the hand and mom, the mom starts the car. She asks where he went. And then another car comes out of nowhere and rear ends them again. Humperdinck gets out of the car and he's confused and asks what the fuck they are doing. Why are they stopped in the middle of the road? Charlie then tries to tell him to stay in his car when Jerry stands up from underneath their van and like lifts it up with him as he stands. He's in super vamp mode is what I'll call it, or like uber vamp mode with the shark mouth and all the and whatever. 
The man gets back in his car, but Jerry breaks through the window and pulls him out and bites him. Charlie gets out of the car and calls out while holding a cross. The mom and Amy get out of the car too, calling after Charlie. Jerry drops the man and transforms back into human form, but he doesn't scream human form, so it's very disappointing. It's not the same if you don't scream it, I guess. It's just... Charlie then tells Amy to take the mom and go. Jerry says, catch you later. Then Charlie says he repels Jerry with the power of Christ. Jerry asks, do you? It's a big cross, but do you have faith? And then he sings George Michael for a while. Because you got to have faith. The faith of faith. got to have faith. But then uh, Jerry actually grabs the cross and it ignites as he grabs it. And then he grabs Charlie by the throat at the same time and blows out the fire. He throws Charlie back against the van, then jumps over and starts threatening Charlie, asking if he's ever been staked in the chest. He has. It hurts, but they miss the heart. He marks an X in blood on Charlie's chest, saying where the heart actually is, and raises the stake to stab Charlie. But the mom comes up from behind, and guess what she stabs him with? Her, her real estate signs. Stakes. Yes, the foreshadowed Guillermo pile of stakes. <laughs> That are attached to her signs. Jerry like flies back, screeching in pain and struggling as he snarls. The mom faints and they get her into the other like comforting car and they begin to drive away as Jerry struggles over to their van, unable to get the sign out of his back. And then Charlie hits the van, flipping it over as he drives off. We get a close up of Jerry's broken vamp arm as he heals like instantly. We then cut to Peter Vincent. He's looking out his window at the strip and drinking. A scantily clad woman who was ginger, but I didn't realize at the time, comes up behind him saying that they had a good show. Uh, He tells her she was late for her cue and she flips him off. And says he was early again in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> he says, fuck you. She says, I will fuck myself. Someone's got to do it. I love the relationship. I don't know why. It's dumb. But yeah. right. Really? I have a note later of like, this is such toxicity and bullshit. Like, why are you butting up with this? I don't understand. I just think it's just how they talk to each other, but they don't mean it kind of thing. Uh- Anyways, Peter Vincent gets another drink. He looks at Charlie's pictures and he sees the one of like the angel wing painting. He opens up his safe and takes out an aged like paper with the exact same like drawing of that painting on it. We then cut to Charlie and Amy with the mom in the hospital. Amy's telling her mom over the phone that she won't be home and it's not because she's at a party, but she has to go. Charlie is finishing talking to the cops. Charlie says that they didn't ask many questions and Amy says that he should have said something. And he's like, like what? This vampire moved in, bored a six pack of Bud, ate a stripper and blew up our house because I wouldn't invite him inside. Amy agrees. That's probably dumb to tell them. Yeah, it might not be a good thing to say to cops. I don't know if they really believe you. Yeah. And I did not appreciate that he's changed uh, his tune and now he's calling uh, Doris a stripper. Did she sacrifice herself for him, kind of? Yeah, like, don't don't talk bad about Doris. No, she's a great person. She was a great person. She was. All right. I cared about you, Charlie. Okay. Charlie says that it's his fault because McLovin came to him and he turned his back on him. Amy asks, how was he supposed to believe him? He continues to get down on himself. Uh, for turning his back on his best friend and saying he did it for the ladies. And Amy says she knew that he was a dweeb always, so it didn't work. He could have stayed his friend. It wouldn't have mattered. You know, that's mm-hmm. why she likes him because he was a he was different. Yeah. 
Exactly. So Amy's another good person. Mm-hmm. Peter Vincent then calls Charlie's cell and I'm like, how did he like leave his number on those pictures? Maybe he did. So he knew he was going to get escorted out. Peter Vincent tells him that he can help come to his place in one hour. They go to leave the hospital and they've left tons of crosses in the mom's room, like all over the windows and doors. And as they are leaving, Charlie tells the nurse who's looking at it like, what the fuck? He's like, my mom's very religious. Yeah, that's all you say at that point. Um, Amy's excited that they're going to go see the Peter Vincent and Charlie says, trust him, it's underwhelming. <laughs> like it's not that good. It's fine. Just... Yeah. We cut to Peter Vincent's. He says he'll tell them what he knows. That's it. He won't be joining their Scooby gang. I was just like, I really love how it's always the Scooby gang <laughs> that everyone references in every like horror thing. That's what they call themselves in Buffy <laughs> and stuff like that. I mean, what else they would use? If you're not going to do Scooby, then it's something that's going to be so as well known as that. Like, I can't think, I yeah. wouldn't be able to think of anything else. That's fair. I, I just, I always love it when they call themselves the Scoobies. So he just noticed Amy is wearing a dress. Oh, sorry. No, he doesn't notice. I noticed. He was the pro- previous note. I noticed. Amy is wearing a dress over her jeans. This is not 2004. What the fuck is she doing? I didn't notice this, so I'm a. This is all you right here. This is, and I know nothing about 2000s girl fashion, so I'm a. It was a horrible fad that happened in 2004-ish, where girls would wear dresses over their jeans. It looked really fucking stupid. I don't know why it happened. Maybe she really liked that 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 um that trend is trying to bring it back. She's trying to make it come back in 2011. That one should never come back. Neither should low rise jeans. Just saying. I'm not right. She's back. I thought I saw something about that. They are coming back and I refuse to change. I refuse. I'm sorry, but I do not need to see everyone's underwear or butt crack. That's all that was when the low rise jean thing was happening. Mm -mm. Nope. Nope. Don't need it. Yeah, because TikTok told me they were coming back. So TikTok would know. We're on TikTok. Who isn't at this point? It's the quarantine. You just download things. I'm not. It's the quarantine. You just download things in, in a fit of boredom. I mean, I did when we first went into quarantine in 2020, but then I found that I would just sit there mindlessly scrolling for hours. I was like, I'll watch a couple before bed. And then like three hours later, I'm like, holy shit, how did it get to three hours later? That's what happens. Like, I don't have any videos, but I'm like, scroll, 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 just telling you it's just funny some of them are just like people are creative i gotta give them, give them credit i tell people to if it's re- a really good one send it to me on facebook and i will watch like i will go to watch that one specifically but i will not just sit there and scroll because i'm way too addicted <laughs> peter vincent says that the insignia you showed me it's a species that originated in the mediterranean they nest in the earth and they kill slowly they keep their victims alive for days as, and they're snackers Charlie asks if they turn everyone into vamps. They're tribal by nature, is what Peter Vincent says. He could be trying to turn them all to replenish his ranks. Amy asks how they kill this tribe. Peter Vincent says they, as in specifically Charlie and Amy, don't. It's a strong breed. You're going to need an army. Peter Vincent gets a call. He has a delivery. He tells and he tells them to like send them right up and tells Ginger to go get it. Oh, this is where I have my note of I don't get their relationship. But anyways, okay, so Peter Vincent says it's likely a package from eBay. He's a late night drunk slash impulse buyer. That Midori boy, I tell you, once against the new system. It's just... Makes you want to get all the things on eBay. Just get you, yeah, he's just buying it all. Charlie then confirms that he gets deliveries this late. Then he realizes, like, shit, you invited him in. Like, 
what if? And then it's McLovin. Dun, dun, dun. And he's dressed as a delivery man with the package. Is it the same delivery man uniform that uh, from before? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think so. So he's a vamp yeah, and yeah. he then gets a call and he says that he's he's looking right at them right now. Uh, come on up. And then he explains to the group there that Jerry is quite modern. He's dispensed with the whole master stuff. Yeah, he's very progressive that way. Charlie says if McLovin has a problem, he should keep it with, like, between the two of them. McLovin says he has a problem. Charlie let Jerry get him and turn him into this. Peter Vincent then smashes a display case and grabs a, a crucifixion nail to threaten McLovin with. McLovin says that he'd have to get pretty close to use it. And it's at this point that Peter Vincent goes and runs for his life to the panic room. And he hits the button and McLovin reaches into the room just in time to have his arm chopped off by the door closing. Oof. Yeah. It was pretty rough. Charlie and Amy make a run for it and find Ginger apparently dead and bitten. She is actually dead, but I wasn't sure if she was going to turn into a vampire and start hurting them at some point. She doesn't. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that anyway. Just like Yeah, like I didn't want that to happen, but I'm like, when I'm writing these notes, I have to keep things open. <laughs> just in case. Who knows? So Charlie says there is more than one way out. And there's a million things that they can fight with. They're going to be okay. We then cut to the arm twitching in Peter Vincent's panic room. McLevin is looking for Charlie and Amy and he's taunting them. We cut to Jerry walking past security as they yell at him to sign in. Jerry then jumps him and bites him, but it doesn't show up on the security tapes, obviously. Come on, it could have been like a shirt and pants and biting somebody and then blood spray. (laughs) But no. McLevin still is stalking Charlie and Amy and he's growing more and more vampire looking. As he's stalking them, he says that they can he can hear them breathing and he can feel them. Charlie knocks over a display case onto him and then tells Amy to run. He faces off against McLovin and he breaks another display case and gets an axe. That really reminded me of Buffy. <laughs> Buffy's an axe. Yeah, she gets like this battle axe in the last season. It's pretty badass. So McLovin is jumping around, then Charlie gets him in the neck with the axe. Amy gets a gun and loads it with silver bullets. Then Jerry comes up behind her. She shoots him multiple times. He pulls one of the bullets out and says, werewolves. She breaks open another case and grabs a chalice of holy water and throws it in his face and says, vampire. (laughs) That's great. Oh, Amy's such a badass in this movie. He screams in pain and Amy runs. Peter Vincent sees Ginger is dead on the panic room TV and he starts to cry. Uh, McLevin is still going. uh, (laughs) My note is like, like nearly headless Nick from (laughs) Harry Potter, where he's only partially decapitated. He's a ghost. Uh, I'm like, no idea. I'm like, okay. So all the houses in Hogwarts, they have their own like ghost. So Gryffindor's ghost is nearly had this Nick and he was only partially decapitated. So he just, they ask him in the first book they're like why do they call you nearly had the snack and he's like because of this and he like rips his head halfway off he's nearly had this, yeah. but like there's this whole subplot in the second book of how like he really wants to be part of the headless hunt um but he's not allowed to be because he's not fully headless headless hunt that would be it's like all the ghosts that have been beheaded they like get together and like hunt or something like that and he's like i want to be part of that i want to be part of that group and he's not allowed to be because he's only nearly headless because his head is still mostly there mm-hmm. or nearly headless or nearly headless nick 
All right, so McLovin snaps his head back in place and knocks Charlie over. And then he breaks Charlie's axe. Then he makes a homo joke, whereas like, this is really of the time. And actually, no, my actual note was real mature, Bradley. <laughs> you remember sticking around? Had you ever seen that? No. Oh, it was this. I don't know if it was Canadian, actually. It was just like this really horribly done cartoon. Like the design of the cartoon was like stick figures with colored in bodies so that you could distinguish who was who. Okay. And the two main characters were Stacy and Bradley. And Bradley would always say really immature things. And Stacy would just turn to him and be like, real mature, Bradley. So anyways. That was my note. Real mature Bradley with the homo jokes. (laughs) He's trying to bite Charlie's neck, but Charlie is fighting against it. Amy then comes in with a motherfucking mace. Goes to town. Yeah. Charlie looks at McLovin with pity as he limps his way towards them. Amy tells him that Jerry is there. Goads Charlie on to kill McLovin. Charlie lunges forward and stakes him through the heart. Sparks and fire start to come out from the wound until they consume him and he burns up completely. Very sad. It's very sad because as he's burning up, he's telling Charlie, it's okay. It's okay, Charlie. (laughs) Charlie is clearly very distraught, but Amy immediately coaxes Charlie on saying she found the stairs and they have to run. As they run, Jerry is getting up from the floor. His face is all burnt. Amy and Charlie exit through a kitchen, much like the first movie, and into a club. Yeah, club radio. I don't know know if it's called club radio here, but that's what it was in the first one. Yeah. So Amy tries to convince Charlie that they should stay because he can't kill them in a packed club. Charlie argues that drunk people wouldn't notice. Why was this a bad decision? Yeah. Amy then spots Jerry staring at them from the kitchen. They move deeper into the crowd. Then we see Jerry watching them hanging from the ceiling and he jumps down into the crowd. The DJ starts throwing out free t-shirts and the excited crowd ends up separating Amy and Charlie. And I have a note of, as a person who has been in many, many mosh pits, like shit ton of mosh pits, it is pretty well impossible for you to get this separated from who you are with. Especially if you're trying not to be. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty well near impossible. Because they, they're they like the scene from Titanic when they first go down and then they're trying to find each other in the water. <laughs> like, And they're meters upon meters apart with all these people in between them. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah it's, it needs to happen for the movie to continue. It does, but as a person who has been in many a crowd, this does not happen naturally. No. If you want to get back together, like, they would have been able to. It wasn't that insurmountable, but... Yeah, because, like, you get separated by the first person, and then you immediately shoot out your hand to grab them, like, wherever you can grab your person again. Like, and you're like, no, I shall not let go of you again. Then they would have been able to get away. Yeah. So, in a matter of seconds, Jerry finds Amy in the crowd, and I'm like, this just proves my point that it's really not that hard to stay together in a crowd or, like, stay with the person you want. Charlie is looking for Amy and hears her panicked scream, then sees Jerry Fireman carrying her away. Jerry puts her down and grabs her by the neck. She warns him that Charlie will come and find her. Jerry says that he's counting on it. Then he whispers in her ear that she just needs a taste. He then rubs his bloody finger along his lips and kisses her. Charlie is making his way through the crowd when security asks how he got in. He tells him he's going to kill her. You have to help me. Security says she seems to like it, then tries to kick Charlie out. For being too young. 
for being too young and not having ID. Jerry bites Amy as Charlie is dragged off. And then we cut to Peter Vincent packing up his shit to go. Charlie comes in and explains that no, there's no security anymore because they all got killed. Peter Vincent asks if he was turned. Charlie tells him to check the monitor to confirm and he's still visible on the monitor. So he's A-OK. But it's just his clothes. No, just... No. <laughs> Finally, Jeff got that. Yes, no. finally. No, but no, no, he's fine. He's not going to Charlie tells Peter Vincent that Jerry got Amy. He's going to end him or vice versa. Then he tells Peter Vincent that he needs to come with him. Peter Vincent says there's no fighting, only surviving. Charlie asks if he runs, will Peter Vincent really be able to get them out of his head? Peter Vincent says he know that he won't. He couldn't after the first time. So he told himself that he made it up. I was a kid. I figured it was easier to believe in monsters. And then he reveals that his parents were killed by a vampire. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Charlie then says that they can wait until dawn and get him while he's resting because he has to rest sometime. Peter Vincent says the only way to survive was to hide. And that's the only reason that he survived as a child. He tells Charlie that if he wants to be a dead hero, good for him, but he's out. Charlie says he doesn't want to live till tomorrow if Peter Vincent is the kind of man that he's going to be. Ouch. Yeah, <laughs> Charlie with all the burns. Yeah, just, uh, but it works. Yep. So Peter Vincent gives him a stake that's blessed by St. Michael's and says that um, if he kills Jerry with it, all of his victims will be turned back. And maybe he can still save Amy, which I like this better than the original. <laughs> I like this so much better than the original because this is like, it's it's still BS, but man, it's better BS. It's like, listen, I got this relic that'll do it for you. Instead of you have to vaguely do it before dawn for your vampire person to come back. But it won't work for your ad. <laughs> Well, it can't work for Ned because Ned turned to dust, so it's too late for him. Well, now, but I mean, in the original, it, like Ed was still a vampire at then. Yeah, Ed was still a vampire, so maybe a day had passed. I because they're not too detailed on when when things happen when in that one. But this one is just like because was it the same night with Ned? I remember we it was the same night, night because they went into the club and then he got Amy from the club and like turned her that night and Charlie went into the house. Like it was all one night. But anyway, this is better because it's just like, hey, mm -hmm. this, will, this will work tomorrow, next week, in a month, whatever. Just going to use this particular state to get the job done and you get your Amy back. Yeah. I mean, I do always hate that it's always Christianity that's going to save everyone. <laughs> But at least there's some sort of reason. If you ever saw Dracula 2000, they try to justify that. Why? The original vampire was Judas. That's why Christianity would do uh, it. Like, mm. That's why Silver was like, and that one Silver hurt you because he, he got paid in silver. And um, that was his punishment basically for, so Dracula was basically Judas in Vampire 2000, in Dracula 2000. And that was, that was his punishment for betraying Jesus. That's an interesting take. It was. It was It was okay. Peter Vincent asks if Charlie has a plan. There's no guarantee that he'll be sleeping and that you should sleep. Oh, and that to stake him, you'll have to get rather close. He suggests that you torch him. A vamp on fire is not thinking clearly. Charlie asks if he's on fire, how can I get close enough to stake him? Peter Vincent's response is just, fuck. Fair question. <laughs> We then cut to Charlie. He's waiting by his mom's bedside in the hospital as the sun comes up. And then we cut again to Charlie at what looks like an army surplus store. 
Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, he's just getting supplies. Yeah, so he's like getting a crossbow. I thought he was getting fatigues, but he's getting fire-resistant clothing, mm-hmm. um, boots, and the shopkeep looks at him all sketched out. Like when like he was fire-resistant, but I thought he was getting like bite-resistant. You know, like like tough clothes that uh, he wouldn't even be bit through. Is what I was thinking when I first watched it. That's fair. I was just like, why is he buying clothes? That was my response. <laughs> I don't see um, I don't see low-rise jeans anywhere. This is not yeah. a go. Not a I, where is his pants with the phrase on the back? Come on. Come on. He needs to have a kneel on his butt, too. It's just the way. No, he was going to get Amy on his butt. Oh, yes. Because he's a gentleman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. Um, and Charlie says, I'm going to kill a vampire. And Shopkey's like, good for you. Great. I don't care. <laughs> I just love that. But anyways, Charlie rolls up outside his old smoldering house and puts on a utility belt and like a piece of clothes. And then he fills the utility belt with stakes and crosses, loads his crossbow and heads to Jerry's. But I have a question before we get to Jerry's house. Okay. Do they have zero neighbors? <laughs> I think they have very few neighbors. I think they... Okay. they Their house motherfucking game. exploded and no cops, no no firefighters, no one's there. Maybe they were there already. They're just not there anymore. But they would be investigating if, like, a house exploded and the residents are not there. They would have cordoned it off as a crime scene, be investigating, like, what the fuck happened here? Maybe they did show up, but then Jerry ate them all. <laughs> Maybe they're all the extra vampires that are down exactly. in Exactly. Yeah, a whole bunch of the extra vampires in the basement. So, boom. There it is. <laughs> oh, Lord. They were um, investigating and Jerry's just like chomp, chomp, chomp. Eating them. But anyways, we'll, we'll move on to Jerry's house. Yeah. Charlie gets into it and he starts breaking all the blocked out windows, letting the sunlight in. He goes upstairs to the hall of rooms and he finds Amy, quote unquote, still alive. Yeah. But he has to know, right? Yeah, I, I assume he has to know because he knows that if she was bitten, then she's turned and he saw her getting bitten. Yeah. She tells him to hurry and get and like rescue her. And then she screams and she disappears as Charlie opens the door. Charlie then turns around and runs straight into Peter Vincent, who says that I guess I don't want to be a man like me either. He too is suited up like a vampire slayer. And Peter Vincent then reveals that the floor is a trap door and he uses them all the time in his show. And so then he follows Amy down into the basement. Peter Vincent decides to go first and Charlie is like, you're, you're going first. And he's like, see, like a great date, you get me drunk and I'll try anything. And I'm like, mm, consent. People cannot <laughs> consent while drunk. <laughs> But anyways, just a funny line, maybe just haha. I joke. We can only hope. Yeah, exactly. Based on his alcohol consumption, I'm concerned. Um, but it's Midori, Char- though. It's fine. It's barely alcohol. Fair points. Fair points. Okay. Charlie drops down too. They are in the basement that has been dug out, so it's just like a dirt pit. You can see a skeleton half buried in the background. Amy calls for Charlie. They head towards her voice down a creepy dark hallway as per usual. But then Peter Vincent like turns on the light and he's like, ah, light, look. <laughs> see, look, huh? Like you said earlier, why don't they turn on a light? Peter Vincent, he wasn't there with that. Yep. We just needed a magician. Exactly. So they, they, <laughs> it's magic. See, it's magic. He knew the lights were frozen. Uh, he tells Charlie that this is obviously a trap. And Charlie says that he's counting on it. Everybody's counting on everything. Yeah. They open the door and they see nothing. Then Jerry comes down from the ceiling like a bat. He's not in bat form, but like 
the the motion is like a bat. Does that yeah. make sense? <laughs> sure. Like he so he was hanging upside down on the ceiling and just like Yeah, he was hanging upside down on the ceiling and he like folds down and then like comes Yeah, I don't know. It reminded me of a bat. That works. Yes. Okay. So comes down behind Peter Vincent and he kicks Peter Vincent out of the room. Charlie shoots a crossbow at him and Jerry catches the arrow in his hand and then breaks it. He says, she's all yours and then closes and locks the door. Jerry then turns to Peter Vincent and says, look at you all grown up. Welcome to Fright Night for real. Yay for the return of that line. <laughs> Come on, Will. It's Colin Farrell saying this was fun. (laughs) Charlie then spots Amy in the room. Meanwhile, Peter Vincent shoots at Jerry with a shotgun. Um, Jerry tells him he has his mother's eyes and his father's aim as he continues to miss. Then Peter Vincent falls into the basement pit thing. We cut to Amy walking towards Charlie. He hugs her, dropping his crossbow. Jerry throws a stone or like a pebble at Peter Vincent's head, cutting his forehead. And Peter Vincent asks, really? As his blood hits the floor, another vamp hand starts breaking through the dirt and then several more. Amy is telling Charlie he should have saved her. He says, there's still time. Amy's veins come out and she says, he's inside me now. Peter Vincent starts shooting vamps and killing them with like a stake gun. It's like a revolver, but with wooden stakes. Pretty badass gun, even though it falls apart immediately, but still pretty badass. Yeah, exactly. He shoots one whole vamp and they explode. And then he turns to shoot Jerry and his gun immediately malfunctions. And he's like, fucking eBay. Great. (laughs) Amy then knocks Charlie to the ground, taunting him, and he reaches for the St. Michael's stake. She goes all shark mouth on him and is about to bite him when he stakes her. She backs away in pain as he breaks out of the room. She tells him he missed. He says he knows and runs out to find Peter Vincent being eaten by all the vamp. All of them at the same time and together. Yes. Poor PV. Charlie then shoots holes in the ceiling, letting sunlight come in, killing a vamp and then leaving Peter Vincent in a beam of sunlight. He sees my favorite Franco is now a vampire too. And his friend. And his friend. But I think they only really close up on my favorite Franco. Yeah. Because no one cares about his friend. He doesn't even have a name. Who cares? Exactly. (laughs) To be fair, I don't know my favorite Franco's name either. (laughs) He's just Franco. I think his name's Mark, but I'm not sure. Peter Vincent stays and Charlie stay within the sunbeam. Jerry starts taunting Charlie, saying that he smells of fear. And Amy's smell of fear was exquisite, but it's all gone now. But he has to thank Charlie for bringing her to him. Peter Vincent says he's starting to smoke. And Jerry says, yeah, you're turning. He then tells Charlie that he can't stay there in the sun forever. The sun's got to go down sometime. And they can wait it out. He then starts making out with Amy. Peter Vincent says, that's rough. Peter Vincent's not wrong. It is rough. (laughs) Then Jerry cuts his chest and Amy feeds on it. Charlie starts crying. Charlie puts on a baraclava and asks Peter Vincent for a light. Peter Vincent's like, that's your plan? (laughs) And he's like, actually, it's your plan. And he goes, fuck, again. (laughs) Next time, tell me about what is my plan or something like that. That's later once it works. But Charlie puts on goggles and Peter Vincent lights his pants on fire and he jumps on top of Jerry. Then I was like, does he clip them together? Because there's something with like a... 
I think well, he, he does. I think he like um Carabiner, like, like Yeah, yeah. I think he like clipped himself too. Yeah. I wasn't sure what was happening with the Carabiner, but he has one, so I think he clicked clips himself to Jerry. Jerry goes all Uber Vamp as they fly and toss around, hitting the ceiling multiple times and making Charlie drop the stake. Peter Vincent gets his gun, knocking another vamp back and shoots through the ceiling, exposing Jerry to the sun, then tosses Charlie the stake. Charlie gets him right in his now exposed heart. But he was burning, so... I guess, but, like, immediately it burns away his chest <laughs> so that his heart's... Ex- I don't know. It was fire right up against him, you know. I, I, can, I, can, I can give this a pass. Okay. I'm glad you can. I can, yeah, I can give it a pass. Well, you know what? I'll allow it. Okay. Well, Jeff allows it, everyone. So that is <laughs> exactly. I allow it. <laughs> Carry on. I allow it. We then see what I call the demon exit. Uh, Amy, Peter Vincent, and all the other vampires' bodies. It's like this black cloud that comes out of them. Yeah. Jerry burns up and explodes. Peter Vincent then puts out the flames on Charlie and tries to rouse him. Eventually, he does wake and he sees Amy. They both check in with each other that they're okay. Peter Vincent kisses him. <laughs> then Amy kisses him. Yeah. And then my favorite Franco says, that was a fucked up night. Yes, yes, it was, Franco. We cut to the Vegas Strip, then to Charlie and Amy making out. He asks if she's sure. She says, Yeah. Then mom calls and asks what he's up to. He's like, uh, nothing, nothing. No, no, you know, no, no, this boy says, well, something has just come up, so I have to go. <laughs> oh my God, I wrote that joke. Fuck you. You got it first. <laughs> something's just come up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my, my note is less eloquent than yours. It's just like, yeah, you're a boner. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Right. Uh, like he says and uh, looks over at Amy. Yeah, it has. So you got to go. We're busy now. So both him, um, him and his mom like say that they are okay. And his mom says she's monster free. And he says monster free is a good way to be. Bye. Then Peter Vincent bursts into the room saying, if you're naked, I'm absolutely going to look. <laughs> hilarious. She's underage, but hilarious. Yeah. Then he says that he left his phone. He's just getting that. And then he's going to leave. He tells them not to do anything he wouldn't do. And then he's like, that doesn't really narrow it down. That's like mini golf and sushi. Carry on. <laughs> Again, funny. I like it. Again, funny. But my mini- note to Peter Vincent is mini golf and sushi are two of my favorite things. Fuck you. All right, mini golf is so much fun. Back to the end of this movie. Amy mm-hmm. asks Charlie to promise that now they'll be alone. He promises. They kiss. The end. Movie's amazing. It's... Honestly, I am hard pressed to even besides little things like you know, less misogyny, less this, less you know, just besides changes like that, I can't think of any like major plot changes I would do in this movie. I'm in the same boat. I really like this movie, other than my few like criticisms of like lines being gross. Yeah. Besides but that, you also mentioned that sometimes the lines need to be gross. There's a point. Like. <laughs> I forgive the Jerry ones. The other ones, maybe mm-hmm. not so much, but the Jerry ones, I forgive because there's a point to him. Like, you know, he is just, oh, he's just a predator. Like, that's all he is. He's mm-hmm. like a shark. You know, like he says, a great way. He's just trying to get it, get victims. That's all he is. But it's like, I can't think of something that I would like in this movie that I would change to try to make the movie better. Plot-wise. I agree. It functions really well. It solved all the plot issues from the original. It had some really great comedy to it. 
the relationships are good and felt real. Like everything made sense. The mother, uh, the mother son relationship with uh, Charlie and Tony Collette worked. The, the relationship between Amy and Charlie also worked. The strained relationship with uh, Charlie and Evil worked. Like it's all like it all made sense. Yeah. And like even giving Peter Vincent that background of, oh, it ends up that Jerry is the one that killed his parents and like that's why he knows this about the vampires and like whatever and yeah how, how it I got was... into it in the first place he's not just like some guy that's hosting a horror show or just a horror magic show mm-hmm. a fake exactly. that way no, he, had... he believed in it yeah he had real stakes in it <laughs> see what but I did I'm, there I, I, I see you guys. <laughs> um, and yeah the fact that it ended up being Jerry so like that's why he knew specifically about this tribe and how this tribe acted and whatever because he did his research on this specific person yeah like like everything was plotted out right everything was everything paid off it was even the mic, the bike not working in that one part the guy pays off later on Humberton comes in for his little cameo like I'm telling you this movie as remakes go, this is like the perfect remake. It's it's hard to say it's better than the movie that it was re- that is that it remade. I think it's better than the original. Like, okay, the original is amazing for eighty campness. Yeah, but I I don't know. This one's just really great. It solves all the problems that there were in the first one. Yeah, because we liked the first one. We enjoyed the camping. We loved the campiness of it, but we had a gripes. We had this is, makes no sense. That makes no sense. They should have done X, Y, or Z. This one's. They watched the movie. They said, this, these things don't make sense either. So we're going to change them all, make it make sense. And boom, here we are. Mm-hmm. Besides, you know, the vampires should show up on camera, but they should have clothes. Besides that, <laughs> I'm thinking, I can't think of anything else. It seems a perfect remake. Uh, so Jackie, to the remake. Fright Night 2011. Mm-hmm. One out of 10. One to 10. What do you say? I thought you said that you rated a one out of ten. I'm like, wait, what? No, no, no. What, what did we just discuss, sir? <laughs> it's amazing. I love this movie. Three. A tough grade. Uh, I have it at a nine. Yeah, I'm with you. Nine. I'm with you. Nine. This is. Yeah, it it was just really great. I my complaints are very few and far between, and I'm that's I know that's me and my personality and my nitpicky problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, like the, the things that could be changed, but but plot and story wise, nothing. Like I can't think of anything mm-hmm. plot story that should be changed. And even the setting they said in Vegas where people move and leave, and of course, and they even solve the problem of having to take the bodies out at the end of the night. Like, oh man. Because that's how Charlie catches him the first one. By the bodies getting dragged out, the bodies don't get dragged out. They stayed in the house underground because he's building. Because they're the kind of vampires that feed and build a, a coven or whatever. A, a brood. It's a brood, right? A brood of vampires. I think a tribe. A tribe. They call tribe. it. Yeah, they build the tribe. He's so of course they would stay there because he's turning everyone. He's not killing any of them. He's turning everybody. It's like so. It, everything made sense. Whoever they did a great job. The writers of this did a great job. Oh, I really loved it. I told my best friend today, like, go watch this one. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Which usually doesn't happen with horror movies lately. Like, I watch a horror movie and I'm just like, that, it's either like, it was so bad, you should watch it. Yeah. <laughs> or it's just like, it's so bad, you shouldn't watch it. Th- those are the two options that I have lately. But this one, I'm like, no, it's a great movie. Go watch it. It just happens to be a vampire, but it's just really, it's a really good movie. It's really, and then the, the cast is amazing, especially for 2011. It's- yeah, no, the cast is absolutely solid. I'm, 
So you've seen the next one. I have. I've already seen the next one. So I know that it won't live up to this one. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's, no, no, no. It's not, it's not the perfect remake. But that is the one thing I will say. It is another remake. It's Fright Night 2 Bloodlines. But it is also a remake because the main characters are Evil, Charlie, and Amy. There's a Peter Vincent and a Jerry Dandridge. <sighs> So I, I'm nervous about the next one. I I don't think it's going to live up to this one, but I'm also very curious to see what the next remake is. Yes, because I was not expecting it to be a remake. I was expecting maybe a remake of the sequel is what I was expecting when I saw it. Mm-hmm. But no, it's another remake. They very. have for good or for bad, which is something I'm not going to give away. For good or for bad, they take chances. They swing. They swing big in this movie and in the next one. That I'll give them. I'll give them that. But then that's as much as I'll give you. Okay. Well, I'm excited to see it. I just calculated it. And so far, this franchise is sitting at a 68%. I have a feeling this franchise might be one of our highest franchises. Once we're sitting I think down. so, too. I'm, I was actually disappointed to see the number 68 come up, but it's because the second one was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it was no good. Because this one gets higher. Like, first to nine up, the second one is great. I mean, this one is amazing. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. I think this is our first nine. I know it's my first nine for sure. This is. I, I don't think. I think you might I, saw one and nine. Maybe I gave that a nine. I'm like, was that an eight or a nine for me? I can't remember. Or an eight uh, and a half, maybe. Eight and a half, I think it was. Eight and a half, yeah. I, was so I think this is the first nine. Yeah, I'm trying to stick to whole numbers, so I'm just like, nine. <laughs> I'm sorry, my half points, you know. No, it's, all, hey, it's all right. <laughs> I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be definitive. Put my, foot, put my foot down. Nine, eight, three, you know, whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, this one was great. We're going to watch, uh, what'd you call it? Freight? Uh, Friday Night Part 2 Bloodlines for next week. Yeah. So we'll be watching that. We want to thank you guys so much for sticking with us. We're sorry that we've been a little spotty with our release dates lately. Um, I really appreciate your understanding. Life's been rough lately, but I always love spending some time talking about some horror movies with Jeff and we'll hopefully have the next one out in time. Yeah, hopefully we'll be doing it. We have plans for, you know, scheduling and whatnot try to offset stuff you know prepare for the future and whatnot but um thank you so much for being understanding with everything but next week fingers crossed friday night two bloodlines and yeah so thank you guys thanks and in the meantime we've had some new members in the facebook group and we would love to see some more and some more chats happening there you can join us on facebook at series of horrors podcast and we're also on instagram at the same name yeah, and if you want to send us another like another email movie suggestion hey i haven't asked for a recipe in a while some recipes whatever you got you just want to talk to us hey just whatever you want to tell us hey you can always send us an email at series of horrors at gmail.com and also if you like what you're listening to and you know someone that is into horror or maybe is not into horror because that's what i've been hearing the most of is like people that don't like horror really have been able to get into this because it's like watching the movie without being scared because whenever the scary parts come around we're joking about it and it's a good time so if you know somebody that might like it just hey tell a friend to tell a friend tell a friend hey and please rate and review us thumb up five star we have been tossing around the idea of perhaps doing a giveaway for five star reviews so get some more five star reviews in there so that we can maybe potentially do that Yes, we are. That is that is a t- one of the tender plans we 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 have for the future. We have we have a couple more. Yeah, that is what we're planning on at the moment. Yeah, thanks thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. Yep, we'll see ya. All right, bye guys. Bye.